0: One
1: Welcome to episode 161 of Cowboy Shit, the podcast. My name is Ted Stoven. He is Dustin Edwards, and we are back. It is season seven. This is episode number three already. I guess the year seven of the show. And uh, Dustin, you, uh, you've you had your home opener with the Roughnecks. Season is started for the Roughnecks. You probably already had another game now, too, haven't you?
2: Nothing at home since. No, we had a bye week. So, Oh, uh... you guys
1: had a week off. Okay.
2: Yep, off, to off to Vancouver this weekend. We actually don't come back to the Dome until February 2nd. We're on the road to Vancouver and Colorado this next couple of weeks. So.
1: But it's kind of wild. You guys have like one game a week, but then that February week, you got two home games back to back. That's pretty neat.
2: Yeah, four games in February. So we'll be busy at home. And uh, it'll be nice because we'll have played, I think, five games on the road and only one at home to start the year. So, Oh, wow. But I'm not going to lie that this weekend coming up, the 13th, was supposed to be our home slot for January. And we elected to go on the road to Vancouver, which is going to be a lot effing warmer than Calgary this Saturday. So that's actually turned out to be a genius move uh, when the high is minus 30.
1: Oh, man. So when you give up a home game like that, are you giving up the potential revenue or what's the deal?
2: No, no. You, you just give up having, uh, having a game at home in the month of January. Um, but for us, like anything, like any sports, the more games you can have in the spring, the better. So uh, this in turn gives us uh, a, a later date in April uh, oh. when the weather's nice and things are happening. So, um, yeah, normally we would play one or two games in January. Now we're going four in Feb, two in March, two in April. So from a business standpoint, hoping that uh, yields better – fan turnout later in the later in the year.
1: And so that does that mean like the teams in the in the deep south like like Panther City is actually plays at a Dickies Arena. So that's uh where the Fort Worth Stock Show is. Uh are, do they have some more January games and like the southern states have the January games so you guys can get out of the cold in the winter or what?
2: Yeah, like we've already played in uh, Rochester. Um we already played in where else San Diego. San Are Diego. Yeah. So we yeah, went to San Diego. No. Yeah. We went to San Diego for game two um, this weekend's Vancouver, next weekend's Colorado. So yeah, just kind of kind of getting those ones out of the way. And then April we'll play in um, Georgia and then we'll play in Saskatchewan. So the the, the road trip to Saskatoon is a lot better on uh, April 13th than it would be uh, in the heart of January, like this weekend, for example, in Calgary. When
1: you're uh when you're going to Saskatoon with the with the Roughnecks, are you on a bus or you guys all fly over there? I'll fly in and meet there.
2: Um, all the players would most of the players would fly in. Some people would take a bus up, so be a combination of both.
1: What are you doing? Are you flying or bussing?
2: I'm probably going to be driving there. Yeah. To avoid to avoid both, or maybe fly, but um, yeah. The, the thing is, the players none of them live here. They all fly in to the. Every week, and that night, every week, yeah, so. wherever they're
1: going, right? And but, Kay, tell tell us where all you got on the go because you got like a don't you have like a San Diego and a and a or maybe like a Philadelphia, like you got a couple trips coming up plus Vegas,
2: yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm supposed to be going to Vancouver this weekend. I'm gonna let the weather dictate whether I'm actually gonna go out, leave home this weekend or not, um, but uh, then we go to Vegas next week and then um uh, string home games back here february and then yeah march going to philly so i've never been to philly um gonna be there for three days there's a basketball game and nhl game and our game on in that arena while i'm there so i'm gonna take in three three pro sports games at the i think it's the wells fargo center there so looking Sounds forward to right. that yeah cool all right well and
1: tell everybody how the home opener went like how did it go on your side how how did all how did it all happen
2: Oh, it was awesome. Uh, You were there and uh, we had a nice crew there to take it all in. Um, We had a really good crowd. You know, it was our biggest crowd for our home opener in a couple of years. So Um, from that standpoint, the weather was nice. It was a beautiful night, big crowds. Um, It was, I thought it was really good for my first game. Uh, From a fan experience standpoint, I think they were treated to a really good one. We scored 17 goals, which... I don't think we scored 17 goals in a game last year, so oh, really? the old goal song was uh, the old gold song was pumping, and yeah, I, I was really happy with it for my first for my first home opener. Uh, it was, I'd say, a huge success. So
1: when uh, when they play that goal song 17 times, it kind of makes me think about the rodeo side of things and what we do. And I, I'm like, geez, I would never want to play a song more than once. But when you have a goal song that goes off 17 times, like I don't, I don't think it really got old. Uh, especially when there, when there's the piece to it that there's the action, which I think is kind of cool. Where yeah. Everybody dances along and does the whole the action piece, so I think that's pretty cool. But I'm
2: most, Vamanos, and then everybody has the yeah. bang, 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 and yeah. like and i was, I, I, I thought, I thought I'm like people got to be sick of this. And there was like a minute left, and we scored the 17th goal, and you got, you know, 13,000 people still standing up shooting their finger pistols when you're up 1711 was yeah. crazy so. <laughs> and it's for those very,
1: wondering uh passionate pardon
2: passionate fan base in that sport
1: well and uh for those wondering the song is uh electric worry by clutch i'm sure sean yeah. will probably sprinkle it into this show at some point just for uh just for for you dustin but but I, I thought it was interesting though to have those different pieces and then there was it's a little more edgy production and there's a couple of things where the announcers say, what does he got? And the, and the guys and the crowd will say nothing. And then like, I, I like that part where there's some engagement uh, and the music's going the whole time. Like for those who've never been to a professional lacrosse game is it's a different show than you get at the NHL or NFL or, you know, NBA to me was something a little bit similar, but with less action. Uh, NASCAR, yeah. but he's wearing headphones because it's so, so loud. <laughs> UFC was interesting, like silent during the fights too. So interesting to see the different pieces, but, um, speaking of this whole, whole scenario on the weekend, uh, I was asked, uh, Brandon Tommy from the Canadian proteo sports medicine team, uh, former guest of the show. He asked me to speak at the sports medicine, the spring training conference up in Edmonton. And then I was there at the at the spring training conference. And Leanne Gullett is one of the uh, people that works at Acumen in Edmonton. And nice. her husband is the producer, like the, I'd have to look at his title exactly, but he, he's uh part of the, like he runs a production for the Edmonton Oilers.
2: He's, and, he's the head of our game press, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Leanne was like, Hey, are you going, I was like, oh, I'm going to the game after this. He's like, oh, well you should meet up with Lindsay. And I was like, Oh, I haven't met Lindsay. I heard he worked for the Oilers and he's, he's and then she explains, yeah, he's the, you know, in-game presentation, I'm like holy, oh, geez, yeah, well, I should definitely meet him. So then, all of a sudden, uh, we had it lined up to meet him outside the the you know premium suite entrance or whatever at quarter to seven because eight o'clock game, eight eleven puck drop, and he shows us around for like an hour before the game. We go and see everything, all the production, uh, all of Rogers, and like for me as an Oilers fan, like that was pretty cool. I do got yeah. to say though, Dustin, second favorite team, the Flames, and I'm a weirdo. <laughs> I, at, at the time I kind of was out of hockey for a long time, like in the, in the late two thousands, like from, Oh, you know, six, seven, eight, somewhere in there until when the Oilers were awful. And then I just kind of went to the States and went to school and kind of didn't follow it for a couple of years. But then I met Chris Russell that time. Uh, we did, I did an a article on, on his bully hat at uh, a while back and, uh, kind of got back in. I was like, Oh, I can be a Flames fan again here for oh, a while. He, yeah, he, had the red, he had the red mile
2: ball, right? Red
1: mile, Yeah. With, yeah. uh, I think that book came from Alan Shields, but then and as... with them. Yeah. And then he, and then he went as uh maybe both Danes. I don't know how that all worked, but I think he bucked under outlaw. Didn't he?
2: I can't remember, but you're, you're right on on the Danes being part of it with Chris and
1: yeah. Kyle and Wyatt. I'm sure. I'm sure they're, I'm, I'm thinking they're both part of it. Anyways. um, So then I was like, Oh, I guess I could be a Flames family and all. I can know somebody I met, met him now. And he toured us around after that game. That time it was really cool. I don't know. I don't know who all was with me at that time. It was maybe it was wasting hour. Was it well, you and I I forget now?
2: Me.
1: Okay. Anyways. So then, but then when Chris got traded, the Oilers, I was like, oh, this is perfect. Not be an Oilers fan again. So <laughs> officially back. Do you have a but... Chris
2: Russell jersey from the Flames and the Oilers?
1: Yeah. I have both of
2: them. They're right back. here. Yeah, I, I, I remember yeah, that. Yeah. I have both of them. <laughs> this is like the Brett Kissel episode all over again when he, uh, Went through and showed us his jersey collection. There it is. There's the part time fan, number four.
1: Part time fan? I was thinking yeah. I could like cut them up and put them together.
2: <laughs> like Travis and uh, Kelsey's mom has has the jersey. Has both sides? Yeah.
1: Or like the Kachuk's mom too. Like it's kind of a similar thing.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyways. So it was pretty cool to see that. And, Pretty happy that Edmonton's back in the uh, playoff race again after having a totally dog-shit start to the season. Yeah. But but anyways, yeah, it was a fun weekend up in Edmonton. Uh, Got to hang out with our editor, Sean Morton. We may have had a drink or two. Had a good time. Yeah, had a fun time. So I don't know what my point was about that, but the production, I'm interested in the production side of things.
2: Well, Edmonton does a really good job with theirs, and they've got the the -the state-of-the-art facility to really elevate it, so cool to experience that for sure
1: i'm i'm interested and excited to see what happens in calgary once things get rocking again with the new building here when what's what, 2026 is the plan
2: four years i think four years oh, you'll see 2028 think, then 2028 you probably see them playing in there so
1: oh man it's a long ways away yeah but it's coming all right all right well uh what else you got here dustin should we get to the up to the uh episode
2: again? i'm excited to listen to it i wasn't able to partake in it uh, i got subbed out for this one but uh, uh a worthy substitute nonetheless in uh, in keenan vine but uh, really exciting episode i'm excited to listen to it a guy that i've idolized and listened to and uh the soundtrack to all the old nfr tapes we listened to growing up and watching on tv this is a pretty cool pretty cool guy to have on here at a at a very interesting stage in his uh career as well so
1: 100 percent. well once again this is cowboy shit the podcast my name is ted sylvan he's dustin edwards our interview with jeff metters is coming up next
0: right well we're going to introduce our next guest our guest for the podcast today he is what i would call the father of western sports broadcasting a hall of famer and for over 30 years the main host of the national finals rodeo on multiple different uh network tv broadcasts mr jeff Metters is with us today teddy
1: Jeff, thanks for joining us.
3: Absolutely, thrilled to be here. You betcha.
1: We okay. You said multiple broadcasts, Keenan, and I got to ask one of the things I had wrote down over the years. It was how many different station, like uh, um, broadcast yeah. partners, networks. I guess I like, got, I got ESPN, CBS Sports, I think OLN, maybe Versus, uh, and now Cowboy Channel. And before that, well, there's yeah. Um, like how many were there and which ones were the best ones so far? Like you, you, you've been a part of all of them. There's maybe even TNN in there somewhere. Yeah, probably.
3: I don't, you know, TNN, maybe that's before my time. Um, So when I started, it was, it was ESPN. And then it became came ESPN2 mostly and then some on ESPN and then ESPN Classic most of the time. And then on ESPN2 some. And then when I took over in terms of behind the scenes and my company was producing, and doing all that, um, we moved it to Great American Country. Oh yeah. So sure. GAC, which was kind, which was kind of a you know more of a, a country music based network, and I you know what I liked about it was kind of a collision of country you know kind of like an a collision of rodeo and country music. Uh, that's what happens in Las Vegas for those ten days and biggest ratings that GAC had ever had. So it was successful, but they're really slow on the on becoming HD uh, they'd kind of made some promises and we'll, you know and, and uh, they just weren't getting there so we went back to CBS Sports Network and then uh, Patrick bought the rights and came Cowboy Channel and RFD so those are the networks now now if you go to regular season rodeos um, you know now you get into OLn was in there uh, you had Fox sports you had some different things that were, were part of it but in terms of the NFR those are the only networks that that I've been involved with where it's, where it's been on the air.
0: What I think maybe potentially Ted is thinking about thinking of is there were a few years where the broadcast network in the United States was not the broadcast network that we would have in Canada that would cover it. And we had so many years there where, Oh it's great. It's going to be on this channel and we get that in Canada. And then, you know, the next year it wouldn't be, or it would be with a different partner. And I think there was a couple of years there where it was on ESPN in the States, but then it was coming through OLN in Canada, or one of those kind of random networks, you know, but, um, which you, you could probably actually explain to us how that works of why, why it would be different from country to country if we have ESPN in Canada, but ESPN in Canada doesn't broadcast the same programs as they're broadcasting in the United States. Like, why is that?
3: Yeah, that that's interesting. And I don't know if that's more of a, you know, they, they have more of a multi-feed, you know, going on with ESPN. You know, I don't know about uh, like ESPN plus and some things down that line. Now it's like the cowboy channel plus app should open it up for you guys to be able to, to get it in Canada, just on the app. And of course you know, that's where everything's going anyway, is just the streaming side of things. So, um, yeah. but in, in terms of those deals, I mean, you know, it's, and I don't know if it's a PRCA deal. I don't know if that's a sports deal, but you know um, our rights, you know, our U S rights are going to this network and our, our Canadian or international rights are going to a different outlet. It can kind of change, you know, I think it can vary from sport to sport if they let those go. So. Um, it may be just individual negotiated on an individual basis.
1: Okay. So I got to ask though, if Patrick bought the rights, then that's a cowboy channel owned property essentially where he's paying the PRCA or LVE for the rights to NFR, or or who, who's that deal with? And then I have a PRCA. It's PRCA. PRCA.
3: Yeah. They, yeah, they have their own there. They have the TV and the digital
1: rights. And then so previously though, on the different, networks GAC ESPN CBS my my first thought is that is that um GAC paid for the rights for the NFR at the time but then I'm looking at CBS and thinking about how the PBR shows work and I think that that's a bot part and I think I remember hearing Carl Stressman at one point saying that uh that they paid for time on CBS so that they had that national broadcast whereas now no offense to the cowboy channel, but it's a bit I don't know what the numbers look like uh, on a on the difference but there's probably more households or maybe i'm maybe I'm assuming wrong but are there more households in the u s that have the cowboy channel than CBS sports network like where where how does that all fit in what what were the differences there was did it used to be a paid product on the networks or how did that how did that work before or can you even say i don't I don't want to put you in a spot where you can't really say what the deal was?
3: Yeah, before the Cowboy Channel, um, the PRC controlled their own rights. And they didn't have a media rights deal. So what they did was they, they you know, if it, whether it was GAC or, say, CBS, they they worked out a deal with them. And, you know, I think the NFR has always kind of been a barter because you it, the, the, it can sell the ad so much, and they would pay for some time if it was regular season. Uh, a different setup than what the PBR experiences with CBS for sure. But they do a lot more content than what the PRCA was doing. The PRCA was only doing between, you know, seven and ten rodeos a year. And they, were, they weren't live. They were posted. Um, and then the NFR, of course, would be live. So just kind of different setups like that. But then now that Patrick's, you know, came in and, and, and bought the rights to everything, obviously so much more rodeos on. And then, um, yeah, it's a, it's a deal where he has the, the television rights to everything PRCA for the most part and does his best to put as much of that on as he possibly can
0: so jeff and you you know while we're on this kind of subject of the rodeos now being you know i mean every rodeo just about in the prca and even canada in the cpra can be on the cowboy channel in some way shape or form if they want to stream it or whichever on the app um and there's a lot of you know, I mean, there's even ads during the NFR on the comments of, you know, it's growing the sport and whichever, in your opinion, I guess how in that frame of reference, how is it growing the sport if it's on the cowboy channel, which is a subscription based platform to people that would have to know what it is to buy it as compared to having rodeo on CBS Sports Network in what I've, you know, heard reference, 30 million homes, CBS main network, 300 million homes. Like what's kind of your opinion on a very specific channel for that endemic audience compared to being on a, on a broadcast network that could potentially go out to hundreds of millions.
3: Well, see, you know, the bulk of the, the, the PBR airs on CBS sports network and PB, uh, CBS sports networks only in 50, probably 55 million homes rfd tv which is the, the sister network to the cowboy channel uh has about the same actually you know in terms of numbers of home now cbs is different you know where the the pbr does you know they, they hear you know different different shows on some weekends on big cbs which is you know pretty much uh coast to coast and everywhere and as a as an advertiser and as a if you're selling sponsorship i mean that adds teeth to what you're trying to sell hey we're gonna you know we're gonna be on you know 40 weekends a year on, on uh, you know, CBS Sports Network. But, you know, eight of these weekends, we're going to be on CBS in addition to that. So you're guaranteeing basically a million households minimum, you know, for those shows. So, um, you know, there's a huge advantage in that. But, you know, and I think CBS Sports Network, to be honest with you, still isn't even rated. Um, and, and my knock on that is uh, you're airing in space. You're airing in college basketball you're airing and, you know, in college football, there's no promotion. Uh, You know, I mean, very little promotion for, for the rodeos that we aired down that line. Whereas as you, if you watch the Cowboy channel you can watch Stetson Wright from January through December, you know, you can see all the major rodeos, you get all the majors you get, you know, you get the, the Fort Worth, the San Antonio, the Houston's uh, Calgary, obviously, you know, down that line, Pendleton. Um, you get the entire season, and I think that's been a game changer. And I, I can't remember. I think if, if I'm going to roughly, don't don't hold me to those numbers, but they're they're relatively close. Um, in 2019 and 2018 combined, I think off the ratings on CBS Sports Network, I think somewhere, not counting the NFR, I think somewhere around two million people watch pro rodeo rating wise. And then in 2020, now COVID helped, you know, cause you had kind of a captive audience, but I think you had close to 150 million viewers total, you know, over the course of the year on, on the Cowboy channel. So it gives you an idea of the d- different level of exposure. And, uh, you know, I mean, what Cowboy channel probably doesn't do a very good job of is, is advertising outside of its own universe. Um, kind of a lot of preaching to the choir for the most part, instead of reaching out, you know, and advertising on other networks and, in other events that might be, you know, from NASCAR to to the PBR itself on CBS that might drive viewers to the NFR. But you know, I mean, still, you know, it's it's the home of Pro Rodeo and and they've they've done a good job of building that brand.
0: So I mean it is the home of Pro Rodeo now, but kind of going back to obviously thirty, you know, over thirty years ago when you started with the NFR and, and then, you know, with Butch and built up that broadcast to what it is today. Um, And maybe it was, you know, obviously Geronimo and, and your own production, you guys were doing it and you were doing it then for ESPN and then CBS. Um, You know, what's kind of been the, the, I guess, progression of it. And how did you keep that going over the years without having a, home of the PRC like to me that's very impressive that a you had the passion for the sport of rodeo to do that but b navigating all of those broadcast networks and different people you would have to work with at the PRCA in Las Vegas events to get that done Um, what's been the progression over the years and kind of how you've seen it change and and come to be what it is today
3: Well, when you go back to 91, which is the first year that I did it with, with Butch, um, you know, there were only three rounds broadcast um, in those days Um, and they weren't live. You know, they, they were, they were delayed an hour and a half or whatever or something down that line. So we only did rounds eight, nine and 10. So it was the best job. I laugh and say, that's the best job Butch and I ever had. We sat in the PRCA suite, we drank beer, we watched the rodeo, we called a research, you know, and then unfortunately in round seven, we'd have to show up and do a rehearsal night and then we'd, we broadcast round 8, 9, and 10. And then somebody got the bright idea to carry all 10 rounds. Who would have thought of that? So then, then obviously we had to show up and start going to work and, and, and doing all 10 rounds. But even then, you know, I mean, in the ESPN days, it was delayed, you know, 60 to 90 minutes. Uh, and then we were trying to fit the rodeo into two hours, you know, and that included commercial breaks. Uh, and it was, it was very difficult. Um, I would remember, you know, in those days I just hosted. Um, But I would remember, you know, we'd be, obviously we weren't live, so we could do what we wanted to in the truck. And, you know, there were a couple of events where we'd just stop, you know, we wouldn't even be recording. We'd watch team ropers, four or five team roping runs, go by, and then we'd pick it back up. Uh, Barrel racing. I I remember nights in barrel racing where, you know, maybe three runs made it. You know, we were trying to sandwich it into a two-hour window. And, you know, obviously it wasn't all going to fit. And something had to go. And so that was another one of my knocks on ESPN. Hey, uh, they didn't care. You know, they, they're they're not quite they weren't in the 90s. They weren't quite the network that they are today, but they were striving to be that stick and ball sport or, uh, you know, puck stick and ball sport, um, you know, that they are now. And, and that's what was important to them. And the rodeo was just a time by or, or a barter or whatever. They really didn't care. Um, you know, and so we did a couple of them live, a, a couple of rounds live, but that was about it. Um, and as we moved it to great American country, now suddenly we could expand it. Um, it's still very difficult to do live. Um, it, it's an arm wrestling match with Las Vegas events. They want that rodeo to go like a million miles an hour. Don't get me started on that. Cause I'm, I'm so opinionated about, um, you know, it, it's time to let that sport that, that the NFR breathe. Let it be what it is. Let, let, let's put a replay in. Let's make it great. Um, but we can touch on that later if you guys want to. But once we, we got it to great American country, now we started live. But because we, they wouldn't take commercial breaks for us. Um, if you were sitting in the booth with me and Butch, you'd say, hey, Casey Field wins bareback riding. We'll be right back. And literally the tr- truck would dip to black, come right back up. Hey, welcome back. You know, round three of the national finals rodeo, like four seconds. And the, the networks would add the commercial breaks in. So every time there's a commercial break, we got three minutes more, four minutes more behind. So, you know, that that, but at least we were carrying every run. Nobody was hitting the cutting room floor. And GAC, what they really uh, allowed us to do was create the pre-show. So now we could create an hour pre-show coming in. And, and that started expanding that, that footprint to give it more of a, uh, a Super Bowl-type feel. And then, of course, at the Cowboy Channel, I'm doing 10-plus 10, 10 hours live every day. So it's just, you know, every day is just dedicated to the NFR.
1: I've got to ask quick about, about the creation of Geronimo and then and then I gotta I gotta ask about Wintercom and who they were, where they fit in. Cause I remember seeing David Sharp. He's got he's still his NFR pass for the longest time still said Wintercom from when he was with Extreme <laughs> yeah. Bulls. And he just kept getting the same pass with the same number on it. Because I think once you get a pass at the finals, it pretty much stays the same unless you really goof up. Like, correct me if I'm wrong with that, but like I saw the same picture from my first year that I ever went. But uh but but how, how did Geronimo start and then who is Wintercom and how do they fit in? Because I think they have something to do with ESPN maybe and the Extreme Bulls, but I could be way off, but I just gotta ask about how that fit in and who who they were.
3: Yeah, Wintercom actually predates Geronimo. So um I I was a sportscaster at the NBC station in Tulsa. Um I did weekend sports and and uh you know, just fantastic job. And Wintercom had started in the early '80s broadcasting horse racing. They had kind of they'd figured out how to. It was quarter horse racing, the all, all American, the Rainbow, and then it was called the Kansas Futurity in those days. Now it's the Rio Des Futurity. Quarter horse racing's Triple Crown. There, there was a couple of guys out of the ABC affiliate in Tulsa, which was an extremely successful uh, affiliate. They, they realized, hey, there's a niche here. So they had started doing that. They'd gone from quarter horse racing to thoroughbred racing. And in 1988, they picked up a, a magazine show called America's Horse, which revolved around the American Quarter Horse. And it was all kinds of stuff from, you know, cutting, raining, rain cow horse. It was, it was a bunch of different things. And they hired a good friend of mine to be the producer of that show. And he knew I grew up on a ranch, you know, I was a cowboy. So they needed somebody to, just to do cutting and reining. And so I was still a sportscaster in 1988. And I'd do a segment a month. I made 500 bucks a month. I thought I was the richest guy on the planet. Um, And then in 1990, Jim Sharp, the NFR is on ESPN, it's round 10, and Jim Sharp is about to nod to win the world championship, and ESPN not being the the sports network that it is today that it's evolved into, it hit the top of the hour, Jim Sharp's about to nod, top of the hour comes, and they go to the next show, gone, you know, nobody even saw Jim Sharp make the right, so the PRCA was extremely upset. And they wanted, to, they wanted somebody with more clout. And Wintercom had become uh, a pretty solid program packager for ESPN. And they had that horse equine background. And that led the PRCA to them. So in 1991, Wintercom started producing all the rodeo. And they started producing the Wrangler World of Rodeo, which was 10 rodeos a, a year than the national finals rodeo. And that would continue to probably 2010, 2011. And I wound up going to work full time for Wintercom for about a decade. And Wintercom uh, was, was kind of the heart and soul of it was a guy named Jim Wilburn, who was uh, probably the best television sales guy that ever lived. And, you know, if you talk to Jim, there was a time when things had gone south. They'd started Wintercom and they had a couple million dollars worth of quarter horse stallion semen that they were holding as collateral for the bills that they, that they were owed by people. And in the end, it became one of the most largest, it was the largest program packager for ESPN and one of the most successful sports production companies in the history of TV in the U.S. So um, pretty incredible company. It's sold a couple of times now. Now it's owned by Cronky and the Outdoor Channel and they do Major League Fishing. They do some other things, but um, I left there in 2000. Um, just, I decided I wanted to just be my own boss. Um, I wanted to start my own production company. That's how Geronimo started. Um, I didn't really realize how hard it was to get that first production contract. Um, so I, I I freelance hosted for CBS and ESPN and a bunch of different people. I did the PRCA. I did, you know, Extreme Bulls. I did the rodeo. I did third grade racing. I did a lot of different things. And then finally got Geronimo started. So um, and then in like 2012, maybe somewhere in there, uh, we took over everything for the PRCA.
1: Wow. What was the,
3: what was the it's first a long big... answer? I'm sorry about that.
1: I, I prefer That's the long great. answers. That was I, great. I didn't know the whole story with wintercom. I just knew the name. I didn't, I didn't really know how, it, how it all fit in, but, but uh, you mentioned, you mentioned Geronimo and getting it started. What was the first major production you did with, with your own company and how did it go?
3: You know, my, my first one was um, championship bull riding, which Tuffy Edeman had left oh, yeah. the PBR and Tuffy yeah. and I are still really good friends. And it was a terrible show. It aired on the outdoor <laughs> channel. And I, I actually, as a favorite of Tough, hosted the season with him. And it's far and away the worst TV I've ever even remotely been associated I remember watching it. Um <laughs> when you're trying to do 17 then, different jobs.
1: It'd be so hard.
3: Yeah. And then uh, we took it over and that's the Geronimo's first deal and we changed it overnight. I mean, great graphics, great action, turned it into a real television show. The first year it aired on RFD TV. And then it moved over to GAC, which is how GAC eventually became, got the NFR, because um, we moved to Great American Country. Um, It was the first non-country music show that aired in primetime on GAC. And then we moved it to Fox Sports. When the PRCA kind of invaded, uh, they weren't very happy with me. Um, They kind of extremely, PRCA used their clout, and they put the rodeo and the extreme bulls. And so we moved I had to move championship bull riding a Fox Fox sports net. And then Fox two.
1: And I just saw something the other day that Teton is taking the American to Fox. Is that right?
3: Yeah, they are Fox one. I think Fox sports one.
1: And yeah, is that, it's a good some, home. Is that something that you're involved in too, Jeff?
3: No, that's, I, that's just uh Teton Ridge. I don't have anything to do with them. They bought the Americans from Patrick. Um, and they, uh, it's kind of their own little entity. They do that, 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 um, Million dollar performance horse deal, which is really cool. It's got cutting, raining and rain cow horse in it uh, on the night before, usually, and then uh, you get into uh, you get into the American, which is a cool rodeo. I hosted it one time, and Patrick sold it. So that's how that's how good a job <laughs> I did with it, I think. So I got rid of it. <laughs> I
1: I wasn't sure good though enough, because it's gone. But the but the news the other day was, was that you're leaving the Cowboy Channel. I couldn't really verify it much. I don't know. I I didn't look back at your uh, own Facebook page here yet, but. But I think uh, Steve Kenyon broke the news on one of his shows at one point. But I hadn't, I hadn't heard it from yourself yet, and I didn't, I didn't see if there was was a post over Christmas. I, I should have double checked it here. But, but what's the story there?
3: Uh, you wouldn't find one. There's not one on there, as a matter of fact. Um, yeah. I, I, I made that announcement on Luke Brantley's podcast, um, on the the last day of the NFR on round ten. So, um, I'm um, my final day is twelve thirty one. So at the time that we're we're airing this, we haven't quite reached that date yet. So until I'm totally clean, I probably won't make any kind of any more announcements or posts until after after I'm I'm a hundred percent on my own. I it's kind of you know I worked for Wintercom for for a decade. I I'd worked for myself for twenty years before I went to to work for Patrick at Cowboy Channel. Uh, great visionary. He's been so much fun. So honored to work with him and his family and and be a part of that first four years of the cowboy channel. Um, but I, I just kind of, there's some things I want to do. Um, I like working for myself. I like being my own boss. Um, I kind of like being the captain of the ship. Um, you know, so those are, kinda, you know, just, it's been that mentality that, that made it hard for me to take the job to begin with because I knew I was going back to work for somebody, um, which, you know, it's, it is what it is. Some people like that. Some people don't. Um, And I just kind of felt like it was time at this stage for me to kind of get back to being more of of my own boss.
0: That being said, and, and again, your reasons for leaving the cowboy channel or whichever, I totally understand that. And, and, you know, um, I also like to work for myself. I get it. I'm the the exact same. And we're all in the same boat, but do you have anything specific that you can tell us that you thinking about doing a project, uh, something cool, like, I mean, you've done some cool stuff on your own, um, you know, even otherwise outside of just broadcasting uh, rodeo, straight rodeo. Um, is, is that what you're kind of having in mind or a different sport? Maybe
3: golf because
0: you're a big golf guy.
3: Well, we I, I shot – there's a reality show I've been dying to do for, you know, since 2018, and we shot uh, – it's called 10 Nights in Vegas, and, and uh, I partnered with Taylor Sheridan on it and we shot it over um this year's nfr so we're starting post on that it was a, a fun 10 days we got amazing stuff um you know it's about 70 percent what happens in the arena the highs and lows that, that the contestants experience and about 30 of it 30 percent of it is about how las vegas really you know just becomes cowboy town you know for 10 days it's crazy how you know it's it's evolved like when i when I first started doing the NFR, you know, you came out there, we stayed at the showboat, you know, and you wouldn't even know the NFR was in town, you know, and now you can't really go to Las Vegas during that 10 day stretch and not, you know, be a minority if you're not wearing a cowboy hat. So um, there's so many things that happen and so many stories to be told. I think the next, the next big frontier is, is creating stars. I think it's, it's telling the stories, you know, there, there's a reason why I love rodeo. Um, you know, I mean, I, I don't, I wouldn't, you know, I, I couldn't cover the NBA if you put a gun to my head. You know, I don't, I don't care about athletes arriving in limos and wearing the weirdest shit you've ever seen, you know, as they, they make their way to the locker room, you know. I mean, I just – it, it, it I just doesn't doesn't jive with me. And as you guys know, in the rodeo world, they, they treat you like one of their own. You know, I mean, I can be on the air at the NFR, and Cody Old would text me, I'm going to kill it tonight. You know what I mean? And, and – and, or, you know, I, I would – get something wrong and you know Trevor Brazil would say dude you know uh, you know and and they you know and not in a negative way just you know they're, they're just constant they treat you like one of their own uh, there's not these giant walls of you know of agents and money and and things that have ruined the game you know I mean good Lord you go to the Cowboy Christmas and you can't swing a dead cat without hitting an NFR contestant you know they're just so accessible um, you know so it's just a different mentality and I love that mentality but i think the stories in rodeo are as compelling or more compelling than than any other sport uh it's pull yourself up by your bootstraps i'm hurt i can't compete and i don't have i'm not making 10 million guaranteed um i got to come back early um you know i mean what kai hamilton did gets rung out he's a human helicopter you know spends the night in the hospital gets up and rides a bull that morning and then he's the only guy that rides a bull that night wins $99,000. I mean, it, it's that, that kind of guts and effort that you just don't, you don't find anywhere else. Um, not to pick on anybody. Um, Deion Sanders, let's just say, you know, I'm a longtime Dallas Cowboys fan and I, I wouldn't be scared to jog down the field at my age right now. If Deion was going to hit me, cause Deion never hit anybody. <laughs> you know, he was yeah. pretty, he made interceptions and he was lightning fast. And then you have, you have the Etbauer brothers competing in Denver, you know, in the 90s. And Billy's watching Robert. Robert hangs up in the stirrup, stir a couple jumps, gets up, pilfers through the dirt, and then just walks out. And Billy's like, you know, comes through the, the door there behind the chutes. And Billy's like, what was that all about? And he opens his hand. He's holding his thumb. You know, I mean, the horse caught him and, you know, and, his, and cut his thumb off like a cleaver did it. And I loved reading the article about it in, in sports news where Robert that's said, wild. well, it was the darndest thing, you know, well, it was the darndest thing. And sure I could opt around and acted like I was in pain, but nobody cared. I can't imagine the reaction from Deion Sanders. If he'd lost his thumb, had he made a tackle in the NFL, you know, I mean, it would have just been, you know, that's just the mentality of those guys. And that's what I love about them. Yeah.
1: I, I got a lot of things I got to ask on this side, but I think it's a good timing to talk about the NFR and the, production um keenan was probably well he was the first one that ever brought me into a real production meeting probably the cfr in 2011 or 12 or something but but letting it breathe and there's a fine line between letting it breathe and having a four-hour perf so there's that fine line on the production side but i'm i'm with you on creating the stars and creating the you know telling the stories because i went to the nfr for the first time in 2004 as a as a uh patron in the stands i i was just getting into the rodeo the first couple years but went there and saw the show and i've been there you know probably all but maybe a few years since and it hasn't changed at all it's the exact same show that they put on and you've probably seen you've seen it since at least 91 probably before that but it seems like it's the same show with the same look the same elements the same things happen every night the same opening happens it's the same it's the same thing it's like uh it's like groundhog day and I know that they got to get through the content, and the content is king with the ninety-point rides and the six-second tie-down roping runs. But, but they're not telling any stories in between there, and nobody gets to know who these people are. And you have a person like Trevor Brazel, who is a star, but we don't even meet him. We meet a hundred people in the in this hectic, ridiculous opening with people getting hurt on horses. And but it's a tradition, so we can't change it. Like, why don't we introduce Stetson Wright and put him up against Kai Hamilton and? you know, do a real face-off thing like you guys did in Red Deer, wh- whatever it might be, right? Like there's there's so many stories that we can tell. And I, I, I love that you said that w- they need to let it breathe and they need to tell the stories because I think if they don't, we're going to stay exactly how we've been for the last 35 years.
0: So I'll just, I'll add to Ted's, I guess, comment. I think that, was more, I think that was more of a comment,
1: but um, but I want to talk, but Jeff I'll has add, to say, about I'll
0: the- add it so that you can, you know, kind of reference it too to, um, you know, and I know you have a lot of opinions, obviously my role is producing the actual live rodeos and, and, you know, we work together in that capacity, you for TV, me for live rodeo, but what would your ideal, um, situation be, I guess your ideal production be is of how to best, uh, run a nice smooth rodeo for in-house guests, and then obviously make it good for TV because, I mean, I've had this discussion slash argument slash debate with with multiple different people in, you know, any different broadcast company slash producer of these events that you can think of, um, where it's like, is TV running the rodeo is rodeo running the TV, this out of the other thing, but like, what do you find has worked best over the years? to ensure that you're getting the best product you can get for television. But the rodeo is, is like you said, it's it's still a great rodeo. It's still a great live sports event. But they're also getting an opportunity to tell those
3: stories. I I, I like the speed of the NFR in terms of um, the way the contestants roll. Um, but in my opinion, you know, if, if I'm watching Oklahoma State play OU, and it's a controversial call. Did he make the catch? Did he not make the catch? Is it a touchdown? Is it not a touchdown? I'm not mad that it's an instant replay. I'm not sitting there upset, you know. Uh, you know. In fact, the longer it takes, the more drama builds, you know, and the more opinionated people be. I think you've got to have replay. You have hundreds of thousands of dollars on the line at the NFR. Uh, um, you have world championships on the line. Um, this year, we well, you had, you know, Tyler Waggis pack. You know, you know, he throws a steer, doesn't get the flag. Luckily enough, he you know, he was able to get all the steer again and throw him. It cost him four or five seconds or whatever. It cost him, you know, uh, probably money in the average, but he still wound up winning, you know, down that line. He had a you had a three point one in 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 team roping that you know may or may not have been a crossfire. I couldn't tell you a crossfire but it bit me on the butt. I mean, it's just like I I at the NFR I'd throw it out. You know, these guys are backing in the box and they're just letting it go. Um you know, so I think replay needs to be there. Um, they'll give Stetson Wright a rewrite if his horse fails to kick one time. And I think if you got a calf like like Cody Ole had a few years ago, where he nods his head, he's going to win the world championship, and the calf walks out, you know, breaks the barrier, misses it, it's all gone. I mean, that that should be a rerun, in my opinion. That's not a fair chance at at uh, at, at winning. You know, um, I don't like because they're on a time frame. I don't like the fact that they'll dismiss the crowd and and take a bull ride to an empty house. Um, Stetson Wright did that two years ago and won, you know, won the round. Nobody saw it. It was on TV. But, you know, I mean, as a fan, and I've told Las Vegas this many times, um, do you think that Fox sits down with um, the NFL before they do the Super Bowl and say, how fast can we get this damn thing over with? Let's get this damn thing done. Let's get these people in. Let's get them out.
1: Except for this year, maybe, and if I'm, it's in Vegas. Yeah,
3: <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, they might. But if I'm Elmer and Thelma Dinkley from Tallahine, Oklahoma, and I've saved up all year to go to Thomas and Mack Center and sit down and watch a NFR performance, I'm not in a hurry. I'm. I, it's not like I'm starting the clock. And if you if you get up and go get a you know a, something from the concession stand, you're going to miss half or all of an event. It goes that fast. Um, that just from the, the the event side of it, that's part of it. And then now you have guys like Patrick Gotch who've made a substantial investment in buying the TV rights. Um, and, and, you know, we're all conditioned. You guys go to hockey games. You guys go to Calgary. You go to whatever. We're, you're conditioned for TV timeouts. That's become pretty damn normal now. You know, that's just what it is. Um, and, and where, the you know, Las Vegas might be mad about the, the rodeo going two minutes or three minutes longer, well, you know, I mean, that's, that's $300,000, you know. Uh, for the cowboy channel or more, you know, in terms of, of three minutes to, to, to Patrick's way different than it is three minutes to, to Las Vegas. And I can understand that the, the rush in, in, in 1985 and 1986, 1987 and 1990, you know, but now you have over a half million, 500,000, 600,000 people coming to Las Vegas for the national finals rodeo. And if those people, the 17,000 at Thomas and Matt get out five minutes later or 10 minutes later, or 15 minutes later, it ain't moving the meter. And it, 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 nobody cares, you know. Yeah. And it's the only major sporting event in America where the building controls TV instead of television controlling the, the building.
0: Yeah. And, uh, you know, I mean, even I've been to the NFR, Paul, 15 times. and And I'm obviously a rodeo person, grew up in the sport. Uh, as close to what you'd consider a rodeo sports fan as you can get, but you go to the NFR and it's just to me and everybody has their opinion. Oh, we love how the pace of the NFR, we love the the speed of it, the excitement. It is, it is, it's great, but it's yeah. also not great when half the bucking horses come out of the shoot and they don't even get to say their name or, you know, I mean, sometimes even the timed events, like they yeah. haven't announced the person's name yet and they are already halfway through their run and it's just that, to me, it's like that part of it's disappointing because it is the national championships of the sport. It's supposed to be the sole focus is supposed to be on the people playing the game, right? Not on the people running the game. So, you know, I think that's... I the, agree. It,
3: it, it'd be perfect for us to like barrel racing. You can't even really show a replay because it's just boom, boom, boom. I mean, if, if I ran the world, it would be like... You know, the barrel racer goes out and we'd have a red hat there for 10 seconds. Yeah. And then let him go, you know, just to make sure that we're, you know, you get a chance to see why Brittany Posey in round 10, knock down a barrel, you know, um, you know, and, and be able to address that. And you know, it, it's very difficult and forget telling any, no features or, you know, there's no features in the NFR show. You know, it's not like we can, we can build a hero like that. You know, it doesn't happen. It's not there. You know, if we could do it, but we'd we'd either have to be we'd have to be delayed, you know, or you know, miss miss cowboys or cowgirls.
0: Well, the interesting thing is, is that it can be done for television. You know, if you look at the Calgary Stampede, uh, I mean, even the Canadian finals this year was on the Cowboy Channel for the first time. And when we came in and started having conversations about how is it going to be done and Are we going to go live to the arena? No commentators, you know, uh, or which, you know, kind of what model are we going to use when we finally decided on it and started working on the production, you know, I said to Carly and everybody with the cowboy channel, we're not going to have to change much because the way that we set the rodeo up, it, it, it accommodates for uh, the commercial breaks already in our transitions. And we have time for you to do features and whichever, but if you're sitting in the stands at the Canadian finals rodeo, Ted, you can correct me if I'm wrong. Even in the past five years that it's been in Red Deer, people would say, man, it's like way faster than it used to be, which it is, but it still can accommodate for television. And it's the same with the Calgary Stampede. You know, we probably took an hour off that rodeo just about when I, from the time I started to when I left Calgary. But again, that still accommodated. To, you know, when you came in to do CBS that year, we didn't have to change the production of the rodeo for you to do TV. It was already set up that way. So it can be done, you know, and, and that was, I guess my question is, is what model do you prefer? Like you've, you've done not just the NFR, I guess that would be another question is what, what are all the different rodeos uh, and major rodeos that you have been a part of a broadcast or Geronimo has produced Um, and which one's kind of your favorite, which one do you like working with? Which one's your, you know, which one, if you could go every year to it, which one would it be?
3: Well, I mean, I love Calgary. Yeah, it's it's the most relaxing 10 days of my year. I'm stunned at the difference of of what my 10 days like is like there and my 10 days at the NFR is like. Um, one, I never, ever worry about losing my voice when I'm in Calgary. You know, I mean, it's just uh, I get up in the morning, I go to Red's, I have coffee, I have breakfast and if Butch didn't come with me, he comes by and picks me up. We go to the arena. Um, I sit and work on my notes. I watch the Braille Racers school their horses. I go to a production meeting. I come back. I eat a little bit of lunch. I um, I, I cut any audio they need for that first segment. Um, we settle in at 1.30. Uh, we do the rodeo. We do a little bit of post. Um, is it ranchman's? What is the, what's the steakhouse that uh, which everybody one? goes to? Oh, the keg. There's a couple of the them. Keg. The, keg. Yeah. The, keg. the keg. Yeah, we go to the keg. We go the keg. We eat a steak. I have some bourbon. I go back. I go to bed. I get up and the next day and I do it all over again. <laughs> it's like the most relaxing. It's like a vacation. I am <laughs> so fresh. You know, when I go to the oh, NFR, oh. Uh, you know, my my stress meter at, at Calgary never gets above a two, and at the NFR it never gets lower than eight point five probably. <laughs> oh, you know, uh, so it, for me, I it's I'm laughing because it's like Maybe maybe I've made bad career choices because there I'm just the host. I just show up and and I just play television every day, and it's it's so relaxing. So the NFR is just one fire after another, but um, but I, I I I love being up there. I love that time of year. I, I love the rodeo. It, it's just spectacular. Uh, I love Fort Worth. You know, I mean, yeah. before Dickies opened, I don't think that I would have put Fort Worth in my top forty. Now it's in my top five. You know, it's like rodeo and church. It's just, uh, you know, it's a beautiful building. Um, you know, it's just, uh, you know, I, I like the the, the tournament format. It gives you big names every night. You know, there's some drama. Uh, who's moving on? Who's not moving on? So, um, you know, San Antonio is fantastic. Uh, Houston hates me. They denied me a credential last year. <laughs> really? It's the weirdest story. Two year, two year, two years ago, I've never been denied a credential. In my entire career, and Houston denied me a credential why um What's this,
1: what 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 I don't for?
3: i don't i don't I don't really know I, I think there was some I think there was some feathers ruffled um early um and which I didn't really have anything to do with because uh, I think for some reason the cowboy Channel asked for an exorbitant amount of of credentials oh uh when we didn't need anybody because I wouldn't send anybody down there um and so and so I, I was going down for George Strait. I'd never, I in my entire career, this was two years ago, I'd never met George Strait in all the circles. We run in similar circles and have similar friends, and but I'd never met him. And so Codigo Tequila was advertising on the Cowboy Channel. And they're like, hey, we need somebody to go down and do a quick interview with George. And I was, I was like, I, I know the perfect person for that. And so he was performing the day after Houston ended. And so I just said, I was talking to Josh Hilton, and he goes, Hey, just don't even mess with it. He's like, you know, you know, we're just, you know, I was like, no. Nope. So I went through the proper channels to get a credential and, uh, it was, it was, it was it kind of comical, but they were like, where do you want to go? And I was like, well, I'll just sit with Bob and Boyd or I'll just sit with them, you know, with, with hambone or no, nope, can't do that. No, no. Like maybe we'll give you a ticket in this section, you know, um, and I was like, well, okay. This is on like Wednesday. And I was going down there on Saturday. And so by Friday morning, I hadn't heard anything from them. So I just sent an email and said, hey, sorry for the late ask. I've made other arrangements. And then they were offended. Then they were offended. You know, we, we're, we're, where are you coming? Where are you going to be? What are you doing? And I was like, I, I'm not going to be with you guys. I can tell you that. I've, <laughs> I, I get the message here. I've been denied a credential for the first time in my entire career. Oh, God. But um, So <laughs> it was just... I, it it's it's probably just miscommunication, but um, but Houston's a cool rodeo. Um, San Angelo's a great rodeo, um, and they do it. They they kind of crank it up there, especially with the the scent shootout. Um, I like those outdoor rodeos in the summer; they're fun. Pendleton's amazing, um, but I mean, I think if you just said, "Hey, you know, you got to pick one rodeo and stick with it," I'm going to be at the Stampede, you know, in July. Yeah.
0: yeah. Well, you know, when you're talking about the stress level, or whichever, obviously having worked there for a number of years. But I think on the television side of things, and I've I've had the opportunity to work lots of different rodeos and productions, and the American and all these different rodeos, um, or be involved in them, anyways. Salt Lake City, I would say, and this is my personal opinion, that Cindy Gillies if anybody ever gets the opportunity to work with Cindy Gillies she is the difference maker in broadcast television and um i just think it's uh just a breath of fresh air like she is something else to work with and and i would say it's probably underestimated what she does for that rodeo production and the television production but yeah, it's amazing to to the difference you notice when, when you have somebody like her involved in in the production.
3: Oh, she's fantastic. I love Cindy. Yeah, yeah. And uh two years ago she came down and worked with us at the NFR. So uh she came down and hung out with us. But yeah, she Cindy is remarkable, uh knows the sport, knows television, you know, is extremely committed. Um just Fan, you're spot on just fantastic to work with and you know i'm kind of like you keenan i mean just those people that you really enjoy you meet in your your career and and you love when your paths cross with them and you get to, to work on a project or be involved with them
1: yeah
0: i was gonna say it's funny you said that about the uh 10 nights of the nfr because i seem to remember you flying to calgary and we went for breakfast you and cindy and i Ooh. and to talk about a little project that you wanted to start. 10 nights of the nfr Mm -hmm. and 10 days of the calgary stampede so when you said Mm -hmm. that i'm like yeah that was uh and and totally agree with you whether that ends up on netflix or prime or or obviously paramount somewhere um the telling of the stories uh especially from the calgary stampede where there's big money on the line and um, you know the the NFR and the difference that those rodeos make in people's lives. I think you know, and the culture, like the culture of the Calgary Stampede, when it's on, the entire city becomes the Calgary Stampede, and and it's they're Ooh. in it, right? And um, and the same with the NFR, you get in a cab at the NFR, and guys just say, oh yeah, the rodeo's on, like it's their rodeo, which is great. You know, Ooh. they don't call it the National Finals Rodeo or whichever It's like Las Vegas, that's their rodeo, so. I I agree. I think being able to tell those stories um and take it to the masses. I I would venture to say I don't go many weeks if months without somebody bringing up Fearless to me on on Netflix. Uh people outside the sport and they say, "Oh yeah, you know JB and Jose Vitor Leme and Kaiki Pachinko." And I'm like, "What are you talking about? How do you know about that?" "Oh, I watch Fearless on Netflix." So there there is merit. Yeah to rodeo or Western sports being uh, those stories being told outside of just broadcasting the actual sport. Right.
3: Yeah. And you can see what, you know, full swing, you know, ratings wise does for, you know, the PGA tour, the, the Netflix deal on on pro tennis, you know, the pro tennis tour and, and drive to survive F1, you know, just creates fans outside of that normal choir that you have there, you know? And so it's just, it's an opportunity that, um, you know, to take it to a whole different – it's kind of like what Yellowstone's done. You know, Yellowstone's made Cowboy Hats cool again. You know, it, it, it took Cowboys to, you know, you know, urban. It, it took it to the coast. You know, it took it to people that, you know, before wouldn't have paid any attention to it, you know. And now when you get a chance to, to, to introduce them to a Kai Hamilton, you know, or a Casey Field where they can become emotionally invested in them and, and, and want to see them – you know not just compete at the nfr but compete all year long you know that's that's how you grow the sport
0: so growing the sport i just had this conversation with somebody um cassie hausauer is you know she does a podcast and and does quite a bit of commentary work and different things and uh one of the questions she got asked was about growing the sport growing the sport of barrel racing but i said what the So relaying that back to you, what do you consider growing the sport, growing the fan base, growing the competitor base? You know, what would your, you know, I guess, opinion on what is growing the sport, growing sponsorship, whatever it might be. But then on top of that, what's the best form of, you know, like you said, delivery to grow the sport? Is it that type of documentary, docu-series, the sport itself, a combination of them all? Um, What would you say is like, kind of the best way to do it in your opinion. And then what does growing the sport look like to you?
3: Well, I I think the, the the fastest way to jumpstart that is is to create an amazing series that, that, that lets you in on the lifestyle of of these guys and these, and these, these cowgirls, you know Um, the highs, the lows, you know, what they go through just to compete, what they spend to make the national finals rodeo you know, the, the, Thrill of victory, the agony of defeat. And I, I think growing the sport for me is, is you know, Yellowstone's the model. You know, it's, it's people that don't wear, you know, don't wear a cowboy hat, but they're, they still, in, they know who Stetson Wright is and they, they want to watch Stetson Wright compete. Uh, non-endemic sponsors coming in. Uh, and I know a lot of the, the animal rights people, you know, they use their propaganda, they do whatever, and it makes it hard for a Coca-Cola you know, or whatever, you know, to, to, to be a huge part of of rodeo and spend those dollars. But um, I think if you, if you, the eyeballs are there, those sponsors are going to make their way over, you know, so sponsorship dollars um, and what the cowboy channel has done is, you know, through that rights fee, you know, every year they're making more and more money. I mean, just about every world champion this year, 450,000, right at a half a million dollars, you know, and that's really good to see because that, that, uh, PRCA is at least taking that money and distributing it out, you know, and making those purses bigger. So, um, you know, better sponsors, bigger sponsors, non-endemic sponsors, uh, the prize of money for Cowboys and Cowgirls, you know, and then just fans that uh, you wouldn't expect, you know, that are seeing the stories and becoming emotionally invested in, in a sport, and a lifestyle and an athlete that is extremely unique.
1: And what, so what's the plan for the documentary? Can you say much on it yet? You said you partnered with Taylor Sheridan on it. Of course, for those that don't know, he's creative yellow, Yellowstone, uh, a couple of Sicario movies, mayor of Kingstown, Tulsa King.
2: Probably,
1: probably Jeff's th- favorite Tulsa yeah, King. Tulsa King. Yeah. Is that, based, is that- on, based on a true story of Jeff matters.
3: <laughs> huh. Well, you know, we- I gave them a hard time because a lot of it, they didn't even shoot in Tulsa. They shot a lot of the beauty in Tulsa and then they shot the bulk of it in Oklahoma city. And uh, not to knock Oklahoma city, but Tulsa is a way prettier town than, than Oklahoma city is. But uh, I'm kind of down on Oklahoma. I'm going to be honest with you. I, I, um, I I thought maybe as we, Diane and I, we, you know, we watched, we watched Tulsa Kings and we thought it made Tulsa look kind of rough. And then we kind of took a look around and was like, you know, it's, it's, pretty similar to what it is. You know, unfortunately there's dispensaries everywhere and, you know, um, casinos everywhere and things down that line. I was like, I can't imagine that we wouldn't have crime. My son's a prosecutor, prosecutes homicide. So it's not like he's taking any time off. You know, he's, he's pretty busy. Um, I'll see something on the news and be like, Hey, are you going to get that case? He's was like, what happened? Did somebody die? I'd be like, yeah. And then he's like, yeah, probably, you know, so, um, but but I, as I got into Tulsa King, I really actually enjoyed it. Um, my favorite movie that that Taylor's done is Hell or High Water. I, I thought Hell or High Water was just fantastic. Um, it was nominated for an Academy Award. Uh, no, we don't know what we're going to do with it yet. We shot it. We captured it. Started posting it. Um, the conversations that he talks to, the networks that, that he deals with, they're, they're over, they, they don't return my calls. They wouldn't know who I was. So um, I'll stay out of the way on that and just try to create the best 10 episode show that i can possibly do
1: and and so is that that's one of the projects that you wanted to do at like post cowboy channel position but a couple quick quick things though like will we see you on the broadcast next year in vegas like is that something that you know about yet you're kind of smirking (laughs) i want can you say anything about that yet like for you that's that's been a huge part of your time for a long time like is that out the door or what's what what's going on
3: it has been it has not been discussed. Um oh, I, right. I still have my show Bullseye that I'd like to continue, but um I may have to find another network for that. I don't know. We haven't had really had any in depth conversations about um you know moving forward, you know. I, I do not know. I'm gonna have to be like, know, right now it's just a big people. question mark.
0: Be out there with my sign, bring back bring back Yeah. yeah. Bring back Jeff.
3: <laughs> Free matters. Free matters. Free matters. <laughs> Free matters. <laughs> yeah. So wow, I guess
0: yeah kind of along the lines of the question about the you know i guess your future with doing the nfr broadcast and then and geronimo i guess too because doing, that's yeah. a huge part of your year too is it not so um i in your ideal world uh, between a live broadcast a broadcast a proper broadcast of what i would call the nfr or calgary stampede the proper broadcast of rodeo what is your opinion i guess on the live streaming and what that does for, like you said, growing the sport. Uh, I have my own opinions on it. I think live rodeos or live sports are meant to be viewed live, but I know people do enjoy that, especially an endemic audience, but compared to, like you said, doing a docu series or reality series or telling those stories, that's kind of the other spectrum, right? Um, So how have you felt about that working with the cowboy Channel since 2018?
3: Well, I mean, just you talking about like just taking the in-house feed from yeah, yeah. from Lufkin, Texas, or whatever. Yeah, um, it, it's not feasible to do what Patrick wants to do. You can't roll a truck out and a broadcast crew out, you know, and, and do as many rodeos as he wants to do. I mean, I can take a hundred rodeos in a hundred days. Um, you know, the only way that you're going to be able to do that is, is 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 take the take the in-house feed. You know, um, I. I'm, uh, I'm probably in that top 10 camp, you know, where you, you do the top 10 and you do it really well. Um, I think there's a serious value add to your, your, your subscriptions on your app um, as you push more content to the app. Um, but I don't know, I don't think watching the in-house feed from Pick Your Rodeo um, is going to attract a younger, cutting edge, more audience, more sponsors and things down that line. Um, you know, I, I think it serves a purpose. And I think as a fan, you, I mean, you, there's a lot of rodeos you want to see, and that's the way you're going to have to see it. Um, there's a trend in sports that um, we have the technology at the Cowboy Channel to do that we haven't done. And uh, a lot of college basketball that you watch now, they're Remy's they're done remotely. So they're going to bring a television truck in, they set it up. Um, there's a, a technical director there. The directors in Bristol, Connecticut. The two announcers are sitting in the green screen room in in Bristol, Connecticut, and they might do three basketball games in an afternoon. You know, but you would never know. You would never know. Um, so, I mean, there's there's a way that if you wanted to do some rodeos, that you know, um, like that, it would be very easy to do. Um, Patrick prefers the, having the in-house, and the in-house announcers, in the in-house field. He wants people to feel like they're sitting on the front row of the rodeo. That's the experience that he's after. And that's what what he kind of strives for. Yeah.
0: Well, and it's just, like I said, as the producer of the live rodeo, I'm not producing the live rodeo to be put on television. And there are certain things that you're doing for the people sitting in the stands that out of context, uh, I don't think people sitting at home, you know, I mean, if, if a rodeo clown is telling, uh, off-the-cuff joke and kind of you know just freewheeling it because he saw somebody do something funny in the stands the people at home don't know what he's talking about and or announcers referencing something or the music or whatever it is like that's what we're we're doing is we're pandering to the you know live crowd but I always get these comments somebody well I watched this you know rodeo and this rodeo clown wasn't very funny and he just was telling these jokes and they didn't make sense and I'm like well you you weren't sitting in the stands and whether or not he was or wasn't funny that's another question but you know I I don't know that's my opinion I I've always been under the same I guess opinion is rodeo would look and do a lot better if we did a proper broadcast um, commentary and features and all the things to tell those stories. Uh, but yeah, you're going to have to focus it in on rodeos that are probably already, again, being produced for television or at least have some sort of short round or something to feature it. But yeah, it's uh, I I don't know, everybody, it's just like judging the rodeo. There's a lot of armchair experts in rodeo, so you never know what, uh, what you're going to get when you have that conversation with somebody.
3: Good TV is expensive. Yeah. I mean, there's no way around it. I mean, it, it's expensive. And and to make that work and to do that, you've got, you have to have the sponsorship dollars uh, that help you pay those bills. Um, and that's the that's the tricky part, you know. And to do it in, you know, the, the way we're doing it at the Cowboy Channel, the way it's been done at the Cowboy Channel, you know, in mass and just so many of them, um, there's not an easy way to kind of carve that up and, and do it well. I think, you know, when we first in 2020, when when we said this is what we're going to do, I think everybody looked at this, you know, the, especially the rodeo committees and the in-house television providers with an arched eyebrow, like if you lost your mind. But I think they've all kind of rallied now and they, they, they're they striving to make their broadcast better, better cameras, you know, lighting stuff because lighting's expensive. You know, it's kind of hard to just take a rodeo and, you know, somewhere in Utah and then suddenly light it up like Clovis. You now, I, I feel for Clovis because that's huge you know and i mean to make to light it up to, to make it look like you know lambo field you know is is a lot of money well, um, but you
0: know, like you said they're also producing that event for the live event and they don't have a budget for also producing a television broadcast right so it's it does make yeah. that side of it makes it tough to to have tv quality production when you're not getting paid tv you know money And, uh, and I guess on the flip side of that, it would be people, I guess the misconception is if TV ends up on, or if rodeo ends up on TV, people think there's this, all this money involved. And, and that was one of my questions or I guess something for you to clarify for people if they're listening to this podcast today is, um, there aren't, there isn't big money involved in TV in rodeo currently. And uh, oftentimes the rodeos that end up on TV, I mean, in the past outside of the cowboy channel, we were paying to be on TV. Uh, There wasn't a payment per se. So maybe, can you just talk a little bit about that and kind of fill people in on how that actually works? Like, again, the cowboy channel is one thing, but like if the Calgary stampede was on CBS sports network, like we were in, I think 2018 or 19, um, Can you maybe just let everybody know how that worked? Because there wasn't a multi million dollar deal done for TV on those situations.
3: Again, you're just kind of piggybacking, you know. Um, I, I, because I'm a huge fan of the Stampede, I talked to CBS because we were, you know, we'd done um, all kinds of rodeo on CBS. They kept asking, hey, what else can we do? And I was like, I need to do the Stampede. But again, you know, we got a clean feed from you guys, you know, I mean, we got a, I didn't have to roll a truck up there. I didn't have to invest, you know, I don't know what, what, what Cindy's spending on television. I know what we spent on the NFR, but I didn't have to roll a truck in there and hire a crew and, you know, for, you know, we only did the last two days. Um, but, uh, you know, I was able to take that, bring it back to Tulsa, um, put some features in uh, add CBS graphics to it, Lion, Butch Knowles and Joe Beaver. And we, you know, we, we did the Calgary Stampede, looked like we were there, you know, it aired a week later. But, you know, if, if you're not paying attention in the U.S. And in those days it wasn't airing in the U.S. So, you know, you wouldn't really even know. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's just two ways to do it. You know, I mean, it's it's um, it, it's bring in the truck, uh, bring in the crew, and, you know, and uh, uh, a good television truck's going to cost you, you know, kind of pending, you know, it's how long you, you, you set it up for, but you know, it's going to cost you anywhere like for 10 days, you know, it's going to cost you anywhere from a hundred to 175,000, depending on which truck company you're messing with. Uh, and that's, they haven't even powered it up yet, you know, they haven't having it. Um, but, um, obviously what, what, what happens at the cowboy channel is, you know, it's, it's, a it's taking, you know, it would have happened without us anyway. You know if, if you were just sitting at the rodeo and you're in somewhere in Alberta you know and and you're watching the big screen and you see all that you know then then that's what we're, we're taking so for us you know they pay for the internet they pay for the production and and uh, not a whole lot of money's changing hands down that line so um, and the biggest thing is what what Patrick's paying in terms of you know, to the PRCA and things down that line for the rights to be able to do that. So um, that's given them a chance to kind of recoup that investment.
0: Yeah, and I—I I mean, it probably isn't an exact number, but any rodeos that are doing, you know, broadcasts like the Calgary Stampede or the NFR, I mean, you can easily be up over a hundred thousand dollars a day once once you've, like you said, when you're commentators doing and it production right, yeah. crew and and it and that's just what it costs that's the cost of doing business to right. to make a proper production which again if you say okay 120,000 130,000 a day doesn't sound like much until you say well that's 1.3 million for 10 days of the Calgary Stampede or the national finals now the money's getting to be real and and yeah how do you recoup that you know maybe ads or whichever but it's it's expensive to do a proper broadcast that's for sure
3: man, look at Fort Worth, you know, they're the 28 days or whatever, you know, and it's, (laughs) but you get to, you get to Fort Worth, you get to San Antonio, Houston, they have those built-in control rooms, you know, I mean, they're, they're, they're built for it. You know, you're not having to bring a truck in, Mm -hmm. you know, the setup is there. So at least, at least the, the infrastructure is already existing, you know, it makes it more manageable for them. Uh, And they've done a really good job. Those rodeos anyway, you know, we're doing a really good job on, on the, on the video side of, you know, for the fan experience, uh, they were doing a wonderful job. Um, so that made it easier for them to transition to television. Houston actually was on Fox Sports Southwest, which became Ballets or whatever. But you have the Calgarys, um, you, you have the Houstons. They're producing a television show anyway. That, that's exactly what they're doing. Um, so they're, they're committed to the cause and they get the sponsors and they're spending the money and they've got the gate and the, everything that they need to, to pay for it.
1: Is there anything else going back to the integrated product in Vegas though? And the, and the storytelling that way, like, is it, what, what how do you see that changing? And and you mentioned replay as well. And how important having those actual replay challenges is that's already being done a few other places. I think that's a, like we mentioned before, it's a dramatic, important piece of what's going on, but. But it doesn't do you seem think it'll happening. happen? Yeah. Do you think it's straight up? Change? Yeah.
3: I do. I am probably next year. I think, um, I think they're, I think it's on their radar very much. It could have happened as early as next year. Um I don't I don't think the other changes will come there. I, I think you know, they're kind of committed to 10 more years on top of the 2 they have left. You know, I don't think you're going to see a whole lot of changes in terms of um how the rodeos run, um the tightness of it. Um I think it'll stay pretty similar to what it is uh with the exception of adding replay. Okay. So
0: aside from your opinion on how it is and how it's been run, what would you say that your most memorable moment that you've witnessed or moments, a few if you can't pick one, but that you've witnessed at the NFR uh, over the thirty years of of getting to be there.
3: Well, I throw Kai Hamilton in on that on that Wednesday this year where he spent the night in the hospital, um, you know, came in and and uh, rode that bull, you know, in that morning perf and then made an incredible ride, you know, um, you know, that night to win only guy that makes a whistle. I thought that was a pretty, pretty gutsy uh, effort. Um, I'm a Billy at Bower groupie. I love Billy. You know, I mean, to watch Billy on Cool Alley a couple times and the World Championships that he won. Uh, Dan Mortenson was spectacular. Those guys battling each
1: other. How do, how do you rank Zeke? How do you rank Zeke against uh, uh, exactly.
3: Billy and Dan? Is, yeah, Zeke is really something. Um, he's just kind of I call him the King of the North. I don't know if you're Game of Thrones fans, but yeah. And, and now he's the king of everything. Um, but yeah, he's just a, he's a cool customer. Uh, he's just uh, so much fun to watch, but yeah, I mean, he's, you know, I, I think, I think the level of Bronx that you see now, you know, it's just gets, it, it's not, it, it's kind of hard to compare eras because I think the Bronx are so much different. You know, I mean, I think if you watch the older NFRs these Bronx that they're throwing there now, you know, I think are, are, they're a little deeper you know, and, and from first to 15, uh, but Zeke's fantastic. And I, I'm a huge, like Dawson, Logan, Hay, and all those guys. And I enjoy watching the Canadians and, uh, good grief. It wasn't that long ago. There wouldn't be any Canadians there for Pete's yeah. sakes. Open Lindsay years. Sears would be the only one. Yeah. twenty. Yeah, She'd be like a couple times, a couple of times. She was the only one there. She'd yeah. win the world when come. for a while. Yeah. It
1: was yeah.
3: But yeah, well, uh, Fred, Fred versus Cody. I yeah. love the, those were amazing years. You know, I actually talked to Fred today. I and not talked to him in forever. Um, you know, Fred versus Cody. And I like those rivalries because that's just that perfect. One made the other one even better, you know, and they 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 just thrived off each other. What they win 10 out of 11, I think, tie down open world titles. And um, I saw Ty, you know, I saw Ty Murray, um, you know, as he came in and went all of his all-arounds and, he used to when he would be injured and not not compete the NFR. He would sit between me and Butch and terrorize the hell out of us. You know, he'd pinch <laughs> you, he'd write he'd write nasty notes to you. He and I would eat candy bars. We'd eat Reese's like in between stuff. But um,
1: no
3: way. You know, Trevor Brazil was amazing. Um, it, there's just so many of them. Cody Ole when he blew his knee out, you know, and and still finding a way to tie that calf. Um, those are all kind of out there. I, this year was amazing he yeah, had yeah. that 3-1, you know, and he had the 3-1 and and um, team Rick, roping that got waved off. Haven and then and shat what, the same night? what, Shad May 6-1, f- 6-1, one. One, you know, and the calf gets up. So, yeah, um,
0: well, and, and even Haven, like, I was saying to somebody yeah. the other day, it's cool because, like, this year's NFR, there was some really amazing thing. I think, again, we're not going to get down the road of the judging at the NFR, but Zeke Thurston riding Explosive Skies, like, that to me is one of the best bronc rides I've ever seen. But, um, yeah, there were some amazing things. And I said, it's cool to be living in an era where we get to see and get to have been part of rodeo and, you know, been involved with the rodeos where Casey field was competing and has become the greatest bareback rider of all time. And it's in our generation, in our time of being involved. So it's pretty cool for you to start listing off those memories and 30 years of of some of the biggest moments and stars that will ever have competed at the NFR or in rodeo for you to see them. I was looking at, you know, Lisa Lockhart didn't get her uh, pro card until 1993, and you've been doing the NFR since 91. So you've seen her ri- ride and compete at every single NFR that she's ever Yeah, been, she was this close to
3: winning the world two years ago she hits a barrel or she wins the world two years ago and we were all just like rooting for her so hard to win you know so she's she's so much fun to watch it's pretty posey's horses were spectacular this is back after the rodeo season you touched on casey field i mean casey's just he's just the goat, you know i mean down yeah, it's just incredible to watch him and uh you know uh, i know he misses his dad um uh, that, that but that adds to the story, you know, I mean, in terms of the fabric of it all to, to do what he's, he did. And, you know, I did a bullseye with him and he just talked about, you know, the next year he went when his dad wasn't there. The first time he was there when Louis was gone, you know, he just he didn't want to be there anymore, you know, just, it, it sucked something out of him, but obviously he was able to put it together, find that motivation and then set the record for go around wins and world championships. But
0: you
1: may me- Mary you
3: mentioned- Walker, man.
1: Oh yeah. Mary Walker. That was a heck of a story too. Um,
3: Yeah. It's an amazing story. You know, that's a movie. You know, Mary's a movie and um, I, I I wish I had the means to do that movie because it's, it's a movie. For sure.
1: For sure. You mentioned, you mentioned Kai Hamilton and how how great of a story it was and it makes for great TV. Uh, Pretty, pretty impressive what he did, honestly. Um, I I was in the building that night. It was the only perf I was at this year and I saw what he did and I, I was kind of like, I was just struck. I was like, Oh my gosh. Like he actually was the only guy to ride. Like it was everybody in the building was standing up and there, there aren't that many of those moments at the NFR Mm -hmm. like very, very often. Right. Like I'd been, I've seen that rodeo a lot of times and, and, and that like, it doesn't get like that very often. It was pretty, pretty remarkable. But then I look at it and I've been wearing this hat the last few weeks because of Ty Posbon, and thinking about the head injuries he sustained over the years and what happened. And I was, I think I was one of the few people that was still sitting down at that moment. Cause I was, I was torn. I was like, this is great what he's done, but I'm also thinking like, shit, he, I, he was knocked out last night and that might've been from uh hitting, getting hit in the chest, but he's still, you know, it's probably an unpopular opinion at this point, but he still has a brain probably has a brain injury, but he can still get on a bull the next day. And that's still part of the issue with the, with the, the format of, of rodeo and how there's no paid contracts and, you know, I'm I'm happy for Kai and I. He he made a decision. He went and rode still, and he probably felt well enough to ride. But he's, I, it's a bit of gray area. So like, I I think it was a great moment, but yep. at the same time, I'm like, this is not. <laughs> some of it's not okay either. But I, I wonder what what your thoughts yeah. that way are too.
3: Yeah, and uh, you know, real sports a story on bull riders and concussions not that long ago, and and uh, you know, I think it's amazing how easy it is to get a concussion. And it's just like a bruise on your brain that never really goes away. You know, it was just so serious. Um, but yeah, I I I I hate I was I was that's why I was scared to death for him both bulls. Both times he got on, I was like, man, you're just fresh off just we didn't even know what the the result was, you know, the night before or he didn't move for forever, you know.
1: Yeah, how long was he uh, down for? There, we didn't so. get to see it. Like I I don't even he know He was out yeah. for a while, right? That's for sure.
3: Yeah, you know, we took a commercial break. So I mean I'm going to say five minutes in the arena floor, unconscious, Um, you know, and uh, well, at least to the point where he wasn't, wasn't moving, you know, yeah, yeah. But yeah, you're right. The concussion side of it's tough, but you know you can't, you know, yeah. It's it's hard to it's hard to tell these guys no, Um, uh, you know, when their their livelihood depends on it because they you know and unfortunately that's their. On the downside, that's their motivating factor. Is you've just gotta gotta have something for Christmas.
0: Yeah, and and it is like that's the we have this conversation all the time, and obviously with Ty Posibon and the foundation and the conversation is is always relevant here. And I mean, I think it is in rodeo and bull riding in general. But um, at the end of the day, the sport is still you gotta you know get on to get paid and ride to get paid and um there's varying opinions on how you would change that the only way to really change it is to have guaranteed money but at the same time like other sports then that chips away from the um i guess intensity of it in some ways too so there's it's a yeah it's a i mean that's a tough one and it tells that story again of of big difference between rodeo it's the last remaining gladiator sport right and uh yeah, it's uh, it's it's a rough one for sure. And then again, the fan base. But then, how do we convince people to to like get their kids into it and whatnot, right? And um, I think you're right when you say that, Jeff, about telling the stories and
1: the money, right? So, well, Ted, got a couple more here. We're talking about golf. We gotta we gotta move on. I I know it's kind of a downer when it's such a high point. To go and you know, everybody's standing up in the arena, but I'm and I'm sitting down, I'm like, geez, this is I'm torn at this point. But okay. I we we uh we talked about the golf thing you golf the other day. Who's the best uh one of our editor sent this question in Sean Morton? He's wondering who the best cowboy golfer that you know is.
3: Ooh. Um that's a good question. Or is it you? I played with rocker. I played with no, it's not me, I don't think. I played with Rocker Steiner in a tournament um uh, this fall and was stunned at how Small he is and how far he hit it. He hit it a ton. Uh, but he's a little inconsistent. Uh, you know, um Rocky Steagall's a really good golfer. Uh Shane Hanche's really, really good. Shane's probably the best, the best cowboy that I, I play with on a regular basis. But um Hansch, really good. He's he's uh he's a good stick, hits it a long ways, scores well. Um I'd have
1: What's to be scoring. Yeah, to give yeah, he's. Good. Have to give me, him to give me he can
3: yeah, he can break 80. Yeah, he's yep. got to give me some strokes if we're going to gamble.
0: Have you ever played with Nate Justice? Because he can golf. What's I haven't.
3: Is he good? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah.
0: And he can hit a ball, man, for sure. So... I, bet, I bet so. Okay, along those lines. 100 yards before... is pretty good. Oh, yeah. 100 yards, yeah. Um. So, before we wrap up here, um, along those lines of best cowboy golfer, A, uh, having commentated with butch Knowles for over 30 years obviously you guys are our best friends and have just done an amazing job so my first part of the question is is how did butch i think i remember he had a broken leg or something and that's how he kind of got into being commentating at the nfr um but then from that question if you can just tell us kind of how that all came to be with butch is then over the years you have had a lot of guest commentators, and then you have Trevor Brazil, you have a Cody Ole, you have you know Luke, Luke Luke's doing a heck of a job. Joe Beaver, who are some cool. of your favorite cowboys, or who you think like are actually great commentators that are cowboys? But uh, the first question is, how did all that come to be with Butch being now a longtime commentator with
3: you? He did two more. He did two before I even got there. Uh, He did with Hadley Barrett. He was with Hadley Barrett and Randy Corley, and uh, I think in '89 and '90, and uh, they they both smoked. So Butch sat between Hadley and Randy, and they smoked the entire time, and that almost killed Butch, probably just from secondhand smoke and no voice and everything down that line. So it was pretty funny. That's how times have changed. Uh, He he was doing he 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 was he got in helping do seminars, judging seminars. And a couple of the guys that that were involved in the television were there at a seminar and they heard him kind of breaking it down. They said, hey, do you think you can do TV? And so they invited him, I think, to do the the circuit finals first. And Butch said, "Nah, he didn't think he was going to do it. And Louis Field said, you know, Butch, that's the kind of stuff that you never know what it'll lead to. And obviously for Butch, it's been he knocked that out of the park. And then they said, hey, come do the NFR. Uh, my first year was ninety one. Uh, Wintercom had just gotten it, and I was only supposed to do the the regular season. I was supposed to do the Wrangler World of Rodeo tour with Butch, and then when we got to the NFR, a guy named Chris Lincoln, who was the marquee talent for Wintercom, was going to take over the host role. Butch would be the analyst, and I was going to be the sideline reporter. But by the time we finished the first season, you know, and we got to December, the PRCA liked the chemistry with Butch and I enough that they're like, "Yeah, we don't know. we're not going to change this up." We're gonna leave these guys um together. And thank goodness they did. So uh it's he, you know, we we joke, he's my work wife, you know. He can finish my sentence, I can finish his. He knows when I'm gonna stop talking, I know when he's gonna stop talking. Very seldom do we ever step on each other. Um it's a it's a wonderful ten days that he and I have up there in the booth. It's it's great. And love the cast that we have. Everybody does a great job. Luke is really good. Um, uh, you know, and Luke. Um, you know, I was listening to him do on-camera stuff, uh, before, some of the pre-stuff for for Calgary, and they're talking to him in his ear while he's talking, and unfazed, changes gears. That those are good. Those are hard TV skills to pick up, mm-hmm. where somebody's talking to you while you're talking, and you can continue to not not stop, not slow down, you know, and just kind of keep on rolling. Um, love Janie Johnson. You know, Janie's. Jenny's just one of my one of my favorite people on the planet anyway. You know, she's a sweetheart. Um, Butch is fun. Joe B's a Joe B's really fun to do television with. Um, he's a he's an interesting cat anyway. So I, I tell people all the time that the the show after the show is, is sometimes better than the show with with Joe. When you go sit down and just have dinner with him and he starts telling stories and the things he's done. And he's so he's so transparent about the highs and lows of his life. Um, he's a he's a unique individual. Really enjoy him. I've done man. I, I you guys wouldn't know who Jack Whitaker is. He's a legendary golf broadcaster. Um, you should Google him sometime. Amazing voice. Uh, Jack Whitaker is one of the one of the gentlemen broadcasters of all time. Really in, in U.S. television. I did uh, thoroughbred racing with Jack, and and uh, it was just in all I did a show with Jim McKay. Uh, getting away from from the rodeo side of it but um i've I've been very fortunate to to work with a lot of very talented people um that are better than me and you know would fortunately help pull me up close to their level so so i wouldn't drag the broadcast down but uh yeah it's 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 been really fun
1: i gotta go back to houston how was the interview with george Strait? i never i never got that answer
3: So much fun. It it was so much fun. George isn't very big. He's tiny. I'm not very big. So, um, but I, they wouldn't let me freelance. I had to, I had to submit my questions in advance. They kind of told me what, but he came in and I said, Hey, you know, it's, it's really not, you know, my joke has been, you know, he came in and he was kind of in awe of me, but he finally settled down and realized that I was just human and did a nice interview. But I think it was kind of the other way around. But I said I can't believe we've never met each other before. And He's like, we've met each other before. I was like, no, nah, I think I'd remember. I think I'd remember. <laughs> he's like, well, I, think I just watch you on television so much. Maybe I felt like I knew you. You know. But he watches the Cowboy Channel all the time. But super nice guy. And if he keeps fighting, if he doesn't give up, he may make it in country music. I know he's getting yeah. a little older, but if he just kind of hangs in it. there, don't don't give up. I think he could probably he might make it before it's all said and done.
0: If he could finally just write
3: one good song, he'd be a yeah. You know, you're big time when you when you could sit down and do four hours of concert and still not sing all your number one hits. Oh, so, yeah. that's pretty good.
1: Yeah. Okay. Speaking of George Strait, this is a I being since like all the stuff you've done over the years. Who's the most famous person in your phone?
3: Oh man, um, that's a good question.
0: And will well, the answer Sheridan probably them? right now? Taylor Sheridan, yeah, that's <laughs> a big, that's a big uh, name to have in your phone. I'll tell you. Yeah,
1: holy, much. and do a partners on a show. Taylor list.
3: Sheridan, Taylor Sheridan and Lyle Lovett, um, are probably the oh, the two Lyle most Lyle famous people it. on my phone. And Lyle's the nicest guy on the planet. He is so nice, uh, the nicest. And what's what's crazy about Lyle is if you like go backstage and you see him after the deal and. And then you didn't see him for two years. And even though it's the first time you met him, when he would see you go, Ted, Keenan, how are you guys? It's so nice to see you again. He like remembers everything, everybody. You know, I mean, it's just, he's just, he's an incredible, incredible person.
1: And uh, you, you still don't ask
3: him about Julia Roberts. He's a, he's huge into raining horses and rain cow horses. Oh. Um, I met him because he was buying horses from Carol Rose. And so um, I've done two or three stories with him. Uh, love his music. I mean, his music, he's just a perfectionist. Oh, wow. uh, his music is fantastic. Don't ask him about Julia Roberts. Um, <laughs> I always laugh. Like I was watching CBS Sunday morning and I was like, I just sat down and I was like, I'm just going to sit here and wait. Cause I know that she's going to ask him about Julia Roberts. Uh-oh. And I mean, about three quarters of the way through the story, she asked the question, he shut it down in about 0.5 seconds and then they just kind of, just kind of went on. So But, uh, yeah, he's, he's a super nice guy. I spent the day with, uh, Morgan Freeman, really nice guy. Really? Um, I had, yeah. And this was back in the nineties when I was doing America's horse, he had gotten into, uh, horses and trail riding, uh, when he'd done the, what's unforgiven with, with Clint Eastwood, he he started buying horses and stuff. Yeah. So I went, I went down and he was, he he had a place just South of Memphis in, in Mississippi. Uh, super nice guy, exactly the way you thought you would think he would be. Really? Um, obviously a great voice, super nice. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, you guys probably know Jim Pickens, who plays, you know, he's on Grey's Anatomy. Mm-hmm. Picks a great guy. Love seeing him. Um, I met a few of the cast from, from, um, from Yellowstone. Uh, I went up and watched the, and they were taping 1883 at the stockyards, and I went up one night and sat in the tent and watched them. Billy Bob Thornton killed the same 11, same four or five guys like 20 times because uh, I they kept doing the scene over and over. Yeah. So that was fun. But Faith Hill sat down and talked to me, talked my ear off. And I, in those situations, I'm always just speak when spoken to. I wanted to meet Sam Elliott he was, you know, 10 feet from me, but I wasn't going to say anything. So I didn't get to meet him, but Faith oh. just came and sat down and, she's, and she's so she was nice. super nice. Like I yeah. couldn't
0: believe it. I got to meet her and Tim when they were the halftime show at the American and yeah, First of all, they agreed to come and do their, um, you know, sound check at like two in the morning because we were doing the uh, rodeo the day after the global cup for the PBR. So we couldn't get set up and get everything ready for them. So a, they're, they're sound checking at Like it was like one or two in the morning and they were so nice. I could not believe how nice they were. Like it was just, yeah, I guess you kind of build people up in your head and don't think, you know, but they're just salt of the earth people. So. Well, you've met, you've met, I mean, you've met a lot of famous people. You've made a lot of people famous. So that's yeah, that,
1: on the broadcast.
0: Yeah, for sure. I, I don't know. Like it, and that's the type of thing that to me, you know, when you talk about telling those stories or whichever, but, um, the credibility factor that you've brought to our sport is, is to me has, it has taken it to that next level. It has taken, you know, and even, uh, I would say the Cowboy Channel being lucky enough to have you come work with them since 2018. I, I don't, I don't. And it's my personal opinion, Jeff. I don't think we would have gotten to where it is today without you because you've brought that credibility factor to our sport. You know, it and and you probably heard of him, maybe even met him. But in, in my opinion, it's like having Ron McLean be a part of a broadcast in Canada and, you know, having done the Calgary stampede and he just brings that credibility and people say, Oh, Ron McLean. Yeah. That's, that's, that's a real deal. And I think that's, that's the same for you in, in rodeo is if, if you're involved in it, people just automatically know that it's going to be something legitimate and as professional as it can be.
3: Well, thank you. I I always try to make it, my goal is to, to put it on par with other sports. You know, I want it to look like it's a, you, uh, you know, the same quality as a, an NBA game and NFL game, major league baseball game, you know, and I, I don't, I don't ever try to get in anybody's way. You know, I, I uh, I'm the traffic cop. That's all I am. I'm just trying to keep the conversation moving from, from here to there. And I take comfort in the fact that nobody cares about my opinion. <laughs> so there's no reason for me to tell you what went right or wrong in that bronc ride or that tie down open run. Um, and I would never stick my nose into barrel racing for one second. Cause I don't want it chopped off. Uh, but you know, it's just been fun. You have great commentators that you can just kind of, you know, just keep the conversation moving in in, in the right direction. And, and it's, it's a monkey can do what I do, to be honest with you. It's just been so fun to be in that chair for that long.
1: They might be able to do it, but I don't think they'd be able to do it as well.
0: <laughs> well, people. thanks. But, yeah and it's you know I mean we've had the pleasure of of watching you for the last 30 years at the NFR and multiple major rodeos and sporting events and personally just looking forward to what you're going to do next because yeah. like I said for rodeo I think whatever you do it's going to be it's going to be all or nothing and it's going to be amazing so I well, personally am looking forward to
1: it 100%. Well and I got I got to ask this too because there's been some uh people in the broadcasting side of rodeo and bull riding where like for me for me one example would be like a craig hummer like i really like what craig has done in, in the bull riding side of things because he comes in and doesn't know the sport but becomes an expert and doesn't have to wear a hat you know he doesn't be doesn't have to wear a cowboy hat to to be the broadcast like the, the host job right he's the host job is that right mm-hmm. jeff yep. yep so he but he doesn't have to wear the cowboy hat but he still does a really impressive job and he brings the energy because the the energy like the he's got to hype it up and make it exciting a little you know he doesn't really have to but by doing that it makes it more engaging I think and I think what I think what you've done Jeff and I don't I don't know but like what's your experience rodeo wise before being part of the broadcast like I I don't know that side of the story
3: I grew up on a ranch in southeastern Oklahoma a junior rodeoed as a kid I I was a I was a I I loved all sports I played at everything imaginable I was an all-state football player in Oklahoma. Uh, oh, that's right. But being five being 58 I wasn't gonna go play college football anywhere. <laughs> yeah, hey, I met Craig Hummer the other day for the first time. Really? Um, they actually they actually came to Geronimo here. Uh, they were they needed to shoot do some on camera stuff. So uh, Ty Murray and Craig came in and it was really nice to visit with them. And he and I were talking about how we're, we're kind of similar, you know, how we're just kind of we're trying to bring the sports broadcaster approach to how we do television you know, and, and I really enjoyed meeting him yeah,
2: and I was laughing because
3: that. Ty, Ty, Ty didn't bring the right shirt.
1: Oh really? So he you was bring texting wrong... Oh
3: yeah. I said, Okay, hey, can you bring me a, can you bring a couple of shirts? And I was laughing when I came in, I said, I don't have children's sizes in my closet, but uh, <laughs> we found it. We found it. We found a couple of shirts that worked for him. Thank goodness. But I really enjoyed meeting, meeting Craig. Uh, Cause we're always on the other, obviously opposite sides of the fence.
1: Yeah. Well, and um, I thought he was Canadian. He's not, Greg. No, but he's from the Northeast, yeah. though. He has yeah. a place in.
3: A place like Ohio in, or something. Yeah. Ohio. Yeah, he. Li- can He lives someplace weird, but he's got I somewhere think he in, grew like, up in Ohio Monk, too.
1: I think. I think he's got yeah. he a cabin out there because he came to a couple of our events on the East Coast one time. Maybe Maine. It may yeah, be Maine. Maine. I, think. I think it is Maine. I think he's yeah. a cabin in Maine. Yeah. 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 Um, okay, I don't so, know
3: So I thought he was Canadian, but he wasn't.
1: Kinda. We take a, a good chance to be
3: Canadian. Yeah. You missed a good chance to be Canadian,
1: yeah uh uh Jeff, what's the one of the biggest blunders or biggest mistake that you've heard on, heard on or this happened to you over your broadcasting times like there was there was one we heard this year where I heard you were calming Donnie down about the knock the dog shit comment out of him on with uh <laughs> I heard that you calmed him down he was he was back in the room a little nervous, but there's gotta be a couple of blunders over the years and stuff that you said accidentally or somebody did or something broke down. you had to the fix blooper. it. A blooper. A blooper on yeah, it wasn't nothing's been as oh, bad as the I, XFL running out of power uh, or generator fuel in their in their fuel in their generators, but I got there's got to be something.
3: Donnie's was pretty incredible this year.
1: Uh and that I was, know he 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 he
3: got even shorter than he is. I he <laughs> was just he was so upset, you know, when I talked to him afterwards. I and I I was I was like I I was like thoroughly entertained by it. I mean I I, was I too. And I, I I was like, and and everybody was giving me a hard time because I messed up then too, because I I basically said it was dead quiet or whatever in there. He hasn't moved, and I basically said it was dead quiet or something down that line. And uh, they're like, like Why did you use it, that word? Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I and I we got off the air, and I was like, did you guys hear what Donnie said? And they're like, no. And I was like, oh my gosh. But and yeah. did Donnie explain it to you?
1: No, no, I didn't, I didn't hear we the story. Just, we
3: had heard, we just heard it. it. Yeah. He he meant to he was he started to say, oh, whoop the dog out of him. He said, Whip the dog, and then he 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 hits and he thought the bull was behind feet were gonna come step on him. So he's like, he whipped the dog shit out of and and it was like so he just said the word shit, just kind of in fear. For Kai, yeah. basically. So, yeah, oh, uh, I mean, I I don't, thank goodness, I don't, I, I don't think I'm on any of those blooper reels you see on the internet anywhere. Uh, thank goodness none of those have happened. Um, the one I get the most grief about from the guys that have been doing television with me a long time, um, and I really, I've got it here, and I, I, won't, I kind of refuse to pull it up, but we're in Tucson, Arizona, and... Adriano Marias wins the Tucson he hadn't been in the US very long he does not speak English
1: 93 or four um,
3: yep and it's like his first big u.s win and so uh, we're doing the Tucson rodeo and they're trying to figure out how to how to how to ask him a question <laughs> and so um, I'm gonna leave the bull Riders' name out so I'm gonna I'll put him on the spot, but a certain bull rider was there and he goes, Hey, I can do it. I met him down in, in Brazil. I was doing a, I was doing a bull riding school down there so I can translate for you. So I said, okay, ask him, you know, ask him about getting your first big U S win and he turns to him and he says, how does it feel to get your first U S win?
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> We're all just kind of sitting there like, Oh my gosh. No. And here's why I got, here's why my guys give me a hard time is I let them ask a second. I had him ask a second question. They're like, are you a complete moron? And so, oh, so that I had would be great to see, wouldn't
0: it? You'll have to God. send that to us. So, trying to so. say we would go never go post it, but you should send it to us. And eventually
3: oh we had Adriana's wife who stepped up and said, I speak some English. And so she, she was our translator. So oh gosh. the PBR was not the first group to getting translators for the Brazilian bull riders. We did that in the early nineties on the wrangler world of rodeo. We're way ahead of our time.
1: Yeah. (laughs) That's great. Well, what else we got Keenan? I don't know that. Oh, bourbon. What kind of bourbon are you into? I was
3: telling my wife the other day, I probably could, you could give me my choice of four bourbons and I wouldn't drink anything else. And it's all knob Creek, knob nine, knob 12, knob single barrel and, and knob 15. Um, yeah, I, I like Knob Creek. Uh, Sid Steiner gave me a bottle of Pappy 15. I've, I had it for, he kept getting mad at me because I never opened it. So I opened it when OSU beat OU this year in the final Bedlam game of football. I was like, that's a, as good as it gets. And I stirred a lot of Oklahoma fans up and we laid an egg against the university of central Florida the next week. And they were asking me what kind of rock gut whiskey I was drinking after that loss. Uh-oh. And I was like, that's an easy answer. I'm drinking the good stuff. Cause we still beat your ass the week before. And I'm still smiling. <laughs> uh, but the Pappy was really good. Um, my wife is to blame. She, Diana got me off on bourbon. Um, so, but I, I like, uh, yeah, I'll, I, I don't really get caught up in the Blantons and, and those, but I, I, I can, uh, I, I like a hot. I like a hot bourbon. You know, Booker's like one twenty-eight, one twenty-nine proof. Um, I, I kind of enjoy those. Old Forster, nineteen twenty. So, but you could just give me a selection of. Uh, is that Booker's there?
1: It's only uh, one twenty-five. Yeah, absolutely. Though. Yeah. Yeah. Just yeah, but
3: I say it'll either put hair on your chest or take it off, depending on what you got to start with. <laughs> um, but I, 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 I really enjoy Knob Creek, so I kind of.
1: That's my usual. What about scotch, then? If you like bourbon, you got to kind of like mm-hmm. scotch. Not at all? I don't Mm-mm. think those two are no. related at all. Really?
0: Not even a close cousin, like, in my opinion. Tastes like dirt.
1: That's uh, the PD me,
0: stuff. Yeah, I'm dirt. the opposite. I, I'm yeah. a scotch guy, and uh, if you gave me a nice bottle of bourbon, I'd probably just put it up on my shelf as a... Oh, Actually, I do feel bad, because... Somebody it, did give you a nice bourbon. David Sharp and Sam Dunn sent me a nice bottle of bourbon and they're after from the first area. year we had the Wrangler Network cover the Calgary Stampede, yeah. and I'm not I'm not even 100 percent sure what it was called, but it had a racehorse on the top That's of it. The Blantons. That's the Plantons. That's
1: the thing everybody's all the yep. rage. Yeah. And yeah. Uh,
0: I, I it sat as a decoration. Maybe it's still somewhere in my house as a decoration because I just oh boy can't drink it. No,
3: nope, Box drink. it up and send it to me so <laughs> i'll i I'll yeah, and like Rod, next time I'm gonna I'll see buy it, you I'll buy
0: next you. time I'm gonna see you, I'll bring it with me, Jeff, and maybe so maybe you if you got a bit of time on your hands before your next project you, you should just come up here and we'll go do a little skiing.
3: I'd love to come ski, Teddy's yeah I need to come up car ski car that car. part a little
1: he's not bad, you I got some of the best mountains out I'm afraid
3: here. I'm afraid I'll break a wrist if I try to snowboard i I like golf too much, so I can't yeah. I don't want anything in the cast before the weather gets warm, so. But I I really like to ski. How often do you get to golf in a year? Uh, that's you know not as much as I used to. Probably more now. Um, you know, once I went to Fort Worth, I I my number of golf rounds a year dropped dramatically.
0: Oh, I guess
3: uh, when I live in Tulsa, um, I live in Tulsa. Um, I play I play quite a bit more. I play with a group at Cedar Ridge Country Club. I call them the Deplorables of Cedar Ridge. Um, they're a pretty fun group to play with. Um, I play with them and then uh, you know we will go to Bandon Dunes or do whatever. I played Can oh. uh, and I played Banff and' Calgary Golf and Athletic Club is that what country club? Is that, that, that yeah, it's fantastic yeah. golf course. Yeah, so yeah. much fun to play that. I didn't and so so it's a,
1: bit, it's a bit gimmicky at times but nice spot.
3: yeah two years ago I because I had been there before and I Ian Allison from uh, Spruce Meadows. And I'd been out there. We we when Butch and I did, and like in the '90s, we were up there and we would do our voice at Spruce Meadows. And so the day after we voiced, he took me out there to play. So I, I just, you know, great country club. So like in in Oklahoma or in the U.S., you can just call and say, hey, do you guys reciprocate? I'm a member at this club. And so I called the, I called two years ago, not this summer, but the summer before. I called and said, hey, I'm out here doing the Stampede. You know, do you mind if I? Four of us come out and play golf. And I did not realize that golf courses, that's,
1: totally that's private, kind of high
3: end. <laughs> Extremely no, we do end. not reciprocate. Sorry. And, <laughs> and uh, they said, you have to talk to the head pro. So I talked to the head pro. He was wonderful. And he set us up and we teed off like at 630 or something. Still got 18 holes in. No cell phones. He's like, you cannot let, I was like, so no music. He's like, no, he's like, don't, don't get me in trouble here. I was like, no problem. But it was me and Shane Hanchie. And one of my producers, and then Rocky Steagle, and we played there. Just, you know, I, that's the golf course is really fun, so it's well, different. Yeah,
1: I, I play at a place called Valley Ridge, and it's like, uh, probably twenty minutes from the Stampede Ground. So if you're up again this year, I'll take you out there, Kino, and I'll take you for a round. Yeah, Shane and
3: Hunter and I played a place because it's kind of west of town where they were playing like a senior event or something.
1: Uh, that might kind be Canyon new. Meadows, but that. So it was really pretty, so pretty there. Oh, you probably played Mickelson with Jeff Robson. Yeah. Mickelson yeah. Exactly right. That's a nice course. Yeah. Yep. That's a newer course. Exactly a well, nice. Yeah, really yeah. new. Yeah. Uh, tough golf course. I haven't broke yeah. eighty yet, but I was eighty the other day in Phoenix. So nice. You're getting, You're getting close, closer. Ted. Nice. You're closer. But
0: I started I, golfing. Yeah. Ted started golfing with me. He couldn't even barely hit the ball. So that he's come a really long bad. way, Jeff.
1: He's
3: coming oh, really way. bad. Yeah. It's a bad habit. Let me tell you, it's it a bad habit. But i so i
0: I've I've exchanged. I used to golf a lot like 60 You've plus got rounds golf now. I just fish, so it's no less expensive yep. I don't think. But.
1: <laughs> uh. No. One, no. one more serious question before you go? We got to get your definition of cowboy shit before we uh, wrap it up. That's the that's the cowboy that's, shit
0: question is what is your definition of cowboy
3: shit? Yeah. And I see cowboy shit all the time. Um you know, it, it's uh it, it's a uh, when those guys, I, I can't remember the bronc it is, you know. When Stetson Wright takes a, a bronc, that's got it's got his nose in the dirt. Takes him anyway, um, you know. It's just it's kind of those gutsy efforts, you know. Kai Hamilton, you know that that's that's cowboy shit. Um, that, that's a good question. I should have I should have thought I should have delved a little deeper into that because um, I see things all the time and I'm like I like that because that's some cowboy shit right there. Uh, I, I'm just kind of amazed. I I'll I'll tell you what that freaking that frickin', uh pickup horse that, that Tyler Kraft has, that blue roan, that's cowboy shit right there. <laughs> I'm that the, those Bronx are all at Janie Johnson, Clint Johnson's ranch in in Canyon, Texas, and I would like to go out there and ride that blue roan. I would steal that thing in heartbeat. That's cowboy shit. That's, I'm, I'm I horses don't phase me much. That horse I, I watched him in Calgary this year. I was like if I could get him in the overhead bin i will be taking him back to Oklahoma <laughs> with me on, on Sunday.
0: Oh man. I think you and everybody else that ever sees Tyler ride a horse, but that is one thing not taken away from that horse, but Tyler craft can make it, Most horses look way better than what they are. So just be prepared. Yeah. If you do buy them, Jeff, that you might not look as good
3: riding them. <laughs> <laughs> I can guarantee I won't I guarantee. I won't
1: pretty, pretty awesome for Tyler to get, get to the finals this year got to give him big kudos for being there and you know what has there only been probably three canadians ever to work that get him gary and probably wayne vold back in the day
0: yeah we were trying to think if there is more i mean obviously a pickup Look man would probably maybe know but uh, yeah tyler for sure gary in the last 30 years and then probably wayne vold and i don't know if if winston bruce ever picked it up or not but those those would probably be the best chances of other canadians doing it so mm-hmm pretty pretty elite yeah. company so
1: we we've kept you probably way too long already though Jeff and anything before we wrap it up
3: no it was, it, it was great talking to you guys
1: so really yeah. enjoyed it thanks for doing this call yeah, me anytime. So. no it was great and like I
0: said we look forward to seeing what's coming next from you and uh see you down the road somewhere I'm going to Denver in January but I don't imagine you'll be in Denver so
3: hopefully it'll be something great or I'm just gonna buy a bourbon bar in Costa Rica so I'll keep you posted.
1: Take off time to time With those crazy friends of mine Head out on steel horses With wheels and we ride We burn
0: up that road To old Mexico Blending with the desert Just we
3: amigos and we roll Cowboys like us
0: Sure do have fun Racing the wind Chasing the sun Take a long way around Back to square one Today we're just outlaws Out on the run There'll be no regrets No worries and such
1: Cowboys like us once again, this is Cowboy Shit, the podcast. My name's Ted Stoven. He's Dustin Edwards. Thanks again to what do what do I call it? Should I give Keenan a title yet? Is he an official official co-host?
2: Call him official official substitute utility host.
1: Utility host. So like
2: uh is he, he like an e-bug? Uh, yeah, he's like the e bug. Like from Jeff Metters to the Bachelor, he's he's kind of dabbled in different hosting elements, so.
1: Well, and then the, what else did he host me? He, he was a guest a couple of times and then what else was there? I feel like Keenan's made a lot of, uh, a lot of appearances on the show. Now.
2: Yeah. Honorary, honorary host,
1: honorary Kenan. e-bug and host.
2: Yeah. yeah. He's our e-bug. I like that.
1: So thanks again to Keenan for helping me co-host that show. He's the one that lined it all up. Honestly, I, uh, we got talking about a few different things and, and, uh, and keenan was the one that uh that got all lined up so kudos to him he's uh, i guess we could call him we gotta call him ebug slash uh um maybe maybe agent slash booking coordinator yeah a few pieces to that right so
2: yeah cool Anyways. and uh jeff's uh, i'd say an icon in the western sports broadcasting industry so pretty neat to have him on
1: well in the back of your screen we've got uh former guest ali ali price congrats on the engagement a while back, Ali yeah. special, but it's almost like a scrum lurker uh, post. <laughs> out there.
2: Yeah, she's lurking. She's <laughs>
1: Trying to make uh, some supper. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. I had to, had to throw it in there. Um, anyways, I want to get back to the sports medicine drink tr- spring training camp. So Brandon asked me on like, I think Thursday, the event was Saturday or he might ask me Wednesday or Thursday. I have to go look back, but he's like, Hey, can you come speak at this thing uh, on the weekend? I'm like, well, oh, I got uh, you know, I'm available, I can make that work, sure. Oh. So uh so I hadn't really officially got back to him, and then all of a sudden I saw a post about like meet our experts. Then I was on there. I was like, oh, I guess uh I guess I'm yeah. confirmed, then I'll see you there. See you there. So then I had to come up with a plan on what to talk about. And uh I'd been to a couple things over the years about about uh active learning. So there's a thing called OnCourse I went to like back in 2009. and it talks about um the The students that learn the most are the ones that are, that do something, and they're not just being talked to. So, so my mom had sent me to this, and it was a uh, like on course is a college professor course where the professors go and learn about the active learning side of things. So, i have done that, and I've been to a couple other things over the years. So, like, so I wanted to make it kind of interactive and as interactive as I could with the uh, with the the students there. So my mom, my mom and I helped me, or my mom helped me build a program uh, that was, it was only an hour, but we had three different activities that everybody would do. So we talked about some goal setting and the, the topic was the business of rodeo. So we, I broke it down into three different sections where I was talking about behaviors, where it was like different behaviors we could adapt, where it was, you know, one of the things I do is uh, some meditation and I do some goal setting. We talked about smart goals and a few different pieces like that and really making a plan. And then, and then it kind of built on to the, uh, to the brand side of it, where, what we do and say is, is our brand essentially, right? Like people know us as, you know, that people, it was kind of interesting. I asked by a show of hands, like how many people already knew who I was. And, and I wasn't trying to like ask about an ego, but it was kind of like about the marketing side where, you know, six of 12 kids, uh, or pe- students at this, at this clinic actually knew who I was already. So I was like, Oh, that's, you know, I guess some of the marketing I'm doing must be working. If, uh, if the, if the folks know who I am, if, they, if nobody knew who I was, I'd be like, Oh, well, maybe I got to get some I got to go back to the drawing board here and and look at some uh, look at what I'm doing. But, um, but anyways, we talked about a few different things the, the brand side of it. And then we did, did a few sponsorship, uh, kind of pieces where we talked about the uh the different pieces to the to the sponsorship package and and then we kind of went through and you know they wrote down what they're going to do for their brand. They wrote down what they're going to do for as behavior wise. Uh, one of the students talked about getting on a uh, practice horses. There's a lot of bareback riders at this thing, which I was really impressed by. But they were gonna. They were talking about getting on uh, a practice horse every week for the for the winter for like the next three months kind of thing. And then there's a bit more about the the workout side of it and the eating right side of it. So it was it was neat to go through all that. But then we did the sponsorship part too. And I said, hey, like pitch me as a sponsor. Like I work for a few different companies, and any of which could probably be a sponsor and are sponsors of people. So you know, pit, pit, Give me a pitch on different things. So it was it was, it, it was really fun hour. Uh, be around there and then I kind of got it was in a in the gym at Acumen there and then I got kind of interested in the workout side of things and now I'm gonna go see Brandon and them and I'm gonna go do a workout with them tomorrow. So try and improve myself for the new year too a little bit.
2: of boy. Well we were talking about goals in the last podcast. So true. Uh, put putting uh putting the talk into motion here Teddy out of boy.
1: Well we'll see it's already the what is it today, the ninth of January. So
2: yeah like well, i credit oh, wow. brandon for making that a component of that spring training i think that's uh something especially for those young guys that are there that are just getting started i think that's some really good tools and give them some good framework for being successful as they develop physically and and as a professional athletes essentially right so
1: 100 yeah. 100 uh one other thing i want to mention before the end of the show dustin today is january 9th and it's been uh how long has it been now? Ty Posibon left us in 2017. So this is seven is years cool. now already, isn't it? Today's at eight. I want to spend some time on that and just kind of talk about a little bit about uh, what's happened so far with the foundation. Got to give kudos to the crew. Rusty Clooney, Tanner Byrne, uh, Chad Bestplug's part of the board, Gord Broda. Uh, Brian Grimard does a lot of our book side of things and a lot of the uh, a lot of the accounting side of it with Rusty at uh, the Broda, Broda Crew but uh, uh, Leanne and Amy are doing all the merchandise out of things. Now they're shipping all the, all the caps and t-shirts and hoodies and and sweaters and everything. They got all the, that on the go. So i have got to give a big shout out to them and uh, and thanks everybody for coming out to the, the fundraiser uh, event. But I think a lot of good things are happening with the foundation and have been over the years, but, you know, I go back to the, to the Kai thing at the NFR and wonder about what, uh, where we're at with it and what impact we're having at a higher level. I think, one of the next things that has to change is at the association level and for the uh, different organizations to really make uh, make a stand and have some mandates and some plans and, and rules around this sort of thing. I don't think anybody's going to be sad that they can't ride after a concussion would have been really interesting for something to be in place for it before this Kai thing this year. Um, so anyways, I just want to keep the conversation going on that and, and, uh, and, you know, maybe, maybe he, maybe he's cleared, maybe he passes the protocol and maybe he gets to ride, but I just think that there should be more in place. And I think that there's still progress to be made.
2: Yeah. We do it at all the other professional sports levels. So why exclude rodeo?
1: Exactly. Exactly. So I want to touch on that really quick before we have to show up, but always keeping Ty in our, in our thoughts and, uh, and yeah, live like, just got to live like Tyler one more every day. Right
2: yeah it's, it's it's something cool that's continued to evolve and grow and for for the better so it it um you know what's been set out to be achieved by a tragedy has 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 been doing a very good job of that with the foundation and the events and the awareness so um i'd say you know credit everybody all, all those people you mentioned all the parties involved and associations and sports medicine and sponsors and people that put on events that uh, continue to uh, have the conversation and, and, uh, what the foundation continues to do for the sport. So it's, uh, it's, it's definitely not going backwards. Sometimes you probably want to, you, you want to see things like the NFR and Kai be done differently, but I definitely think there's been some great strides and, and, uh, you got to walk before you can run, but I think this has been a pretty successful initiatives on what everybody's been trying to achieve in Ty's name and legacy.
1: hundred percent, hundred percent. Dustin, what do you got coming up here? You're uh, when do you when do you head out on the road again? You're going to Vancouver maybe, and then then what? What do
2: you got? Then we go down to Vegas for a little uh, personal trip, watch some hockey down there, and uh, yeah, just get a couple days to to relax. So you'll be you'll uh, be stateside as well, when we're down in Vegas as well, I believe. Right? You're heading to Texas.
1: Yeah, we're going to Dallas, and then we'll go to Phoenix for a while, and then I'm going to go back to Fort Worth for a little bit, and then come home on the 30th. Then I'll be slingshotted right into Red Deer. So right. uh, we've got. Uh, a lot of the shows planned out here for the next while. I guess we don't have a lot of them. Sorry, we got the next one. So stay tuned. I I uh, between Christmas and New Year's, Troy Dunn was over here for a uh, for a school that he put on with Austin Beasley, or maybe Austin put it on and and Troy was the was the coach. So recorded a show with those guys. That one was really really awesome. A lot of cool stories in there. So that one will be coming up in two weeks from today, and then. What else? And we don't have a plan after that. So we got to figure something we're else out. But we're working on it. So yeah. anyways, enjoy everybody. Have a great uh, stay warm out there. Thanks again, Dustin. Appreciate it. Cheers. Awesome. Once again, this has been Cowboy Shit with Ted Stoven and Mr. Dustin Edwards. This is episode 161. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Thanks to Sean Morton for his editing once again. And to the lovely Storm Defoe. Probably still, she's probably still going to be Defoe moving up moving forward here so not going to take my last name but me neither did my mom so that's cool what's you your go. plan what's your plan there dustin are you gonna is, is Allie gonna be Allie edwards or is she gonna be stay Allie price
2: she's going she's going edwards i think really yeah
1: yeah you heard it here first folks
2: what yeah. breaking news
1: <laughs> outstanding well anyways thanks everybody we'll, uh, we'll catch up with you in a couple weeks Amarillo by morning, up from San Antonio. Everything that I got is just what I've got on. When that sun is high in that Texas sky, I'll be bucking it to county fair. Amarillo by morning. Camarillo, I'll be there